I'm Dave and this is Will. Uh, welcome to our podcast. What's up? What's up? <laughs> and, oh, man. Oh, that's the end of the podcast. We're already done. Look at that. So, Peace out. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to talk about a few things today. Uh, one of those being Nintendo going after ROM sites. Did you hear anything about this, Will? I did. I did. It was kind of interesting. Um, I think for the longest time, Nintendo kept away from like going after the people that hosted these ROMs. And then suddenly it was like out of nowhere. Well, I guess not really out of nowhere since the Nintendo Classic and the Super Nintendo Classic are out now. I think they uh I think they even said in a in a press release that it messes with their underline because people aren't interested in something paying for something if they know they can get it for free. So it's and yet, their intellectual property. Like those systems are sold out instantly. Instantly. So it's not like they're technically losing money? Really, I guess. I mean, they're losing pennies on the dollar, I would assume. It's not even or fractions of a penny. But Nintendo's always been pretty, pretty uh, diligent about going after anybody that messes with their IPs. I mean, look at like all of the fan games that were made based on Nintendo properties. They get shut down almost immediately. Uh, do you remember the Super Metroid a, one? Mm, no, a, I just remember like there was a Zelda one. Um, there's been a few Mario ones, but I, I never played the. I never saw the the Metroid one. So what, what happened with that one? Uh, so there was another Metroid 2 remake. Mm-hmm. And I think what they did is they ended up oh. making it to where it was Metroid 2, but they used a lot of like the the mechanics from Metroid Super, Super Fusion. Metroid? Oh, Metroid. Okay, Fusion. Okay. And then they used the Super Metroid graphics, I think. So it was like they had like the wall grabs and stuff. like. In other words, they were trying to make it to where it was like a, a combination of what everybody liked about the game. And, and then and they when did they put it. a halt to that? They put a halt to it as soon as it released to the internet. Hmm. And I think it was just because they got sent a cease and desist, and then they took it down. So, so if you me, got it, then you got it. But. Well, for me, I, so I've never heard of of Nintendo ever doing that. Like for me, the biggest company has always been Square Enix. Anytime anybody does anything with any of their properties, they're just like, nope, stop that shit. That makes sense. I mean, I think for, for Square Enix, though, that it's because they're constantly working with their IPs. It's never really that they let most well, of their IPs Nintendo die. Nintendo, too. I mean... Yeah. Well, I mean, most of the time for Nintendo, the the ones that are being like remade and stuff like that mm-hmm. aren't something that we know that they're being remade. And then suddenly, like out of nowhere, they do like the, the Metroid 2 remake on 3DS. Out of nowhere. Yeah, well, I guess, like, I guess everyone else is... I guess everyone else has been making all these remakes, and then all of a sudden, Nintendo kind of seems like they're jumping on board with that. But that's always been kind of Nintendo. They've always been kind of div- behind. You know, it's been, taken them so long for to come up with with their uh, their network system mm-hmm. for for their you know for their systems. And I don't know, like they're always behind with. I mean, they're kind of behind with the power in their consoles. You know, they're so they're just kind of. I don't know. I guess maybe they're letting everyone else test the waters, and then they're like, oh, we'll jump aboard. Well, they're behind with what's considered, uh, like, par for the course. But if you really look at it, Nintendo is always one step ahead in terms of innovation. So you have, like, PlayStation has always been one step ahead, maybe in terms of graphical power. Mm -hmm. Except for the Xbox One X, which technically has higher specs. Um, 
but you know there's no games to play on it so there's that um but nintendo's always said Ouch. what can we do i know right um <laughs> nintendo's always said what can we do to make our console that doesn't have to be the most powerful stand out from all the others and then you have consoles like the 64 which had the crazy controller it had they stick with their their cartridges and they um they was had the, the four player they had the rumble hmm was that was that the first one they had the rumble pack um, Nintendo 64 had yeah, a rumble pack. pack, so it was and the then, first one. Huh. And I think uh, PlayStation 1 didn't get the DualShock until later. Yeah, not until later. Um, and then, let's but see. I, I almost think that they didn't even have the DualShock. They had just had the analog. Because the original PlayStation controller... They did. Yeah, and, and I then, think it was the PlayStation 2 that all of a sudden... They like, went all in. They had the yeah. rumble. They had the... the I mean, the, not that the, I really care about the rumble still. Most people still don't, but it, it exists. Yeah. Um. But if but then going forward, we're looking at GameCube, which was a smaller console. Still, yet again, Nintendo saying, "I don't care if it's not as powerful as everybody else, but we're gonna do what we're gonna do." And you know what? We're gonna fit it all on this tiny disc. (laughs) Exactly. So we're gonna blow everybody's mind, right? Um. And then they always have the unique controller design, so it's never quite like exact ergonomic design. They're just like, you know what? We're Nintendo. We do whatever we want, right? And then you move on to the Wii, where they said, screw it, we don't even really want standard controls anymore. Let's do motion control. And how many people jumped on that bandwagon as soon as they did it? So, innovation in general has always been Nintendo's thing, but they have definitely been behind the what people consider to be, like, top-of-the-line gaming, you know? <laughs> so, the, when the Wii came out, that's when I was, I, was a, I was a manager at Applebee's, and I had a couple employees, they got off work. And so I made, I gave them money. I made them go over to the Fred Meyer and like, there was this long line and I made, I made them get in the line for it. And they give you like a, like once you get it there to pay for it, they give you a voucher. They don't actually give you the system and they want you to come back later on. <laughs> and then one of the girls, he came back. She's like, I got the golden ticket. Wow. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> but it was I mean, great. I got my employees to come over, or I got my employees to go out and, and wait in line for me. So that was kind of awesome. I mean, the Wii was a good console. I mean, considering all of the, like, the resurgence of couch co-op because of the Wii. Um, it was great for dates. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Let me elaborate. <laughs> Please do. No, no. It was, really, it was just a... Like, well, Nintendo just in... Okay, well, this is a, off on a tangent, but Nintendo just in general... That's has, why it was good for dates, because of the, the motion control? No. <laughs> Do you remember the Raving Rabbids mean, game? Where you had I mean, to shake maybe. up the soda and Well, then... I just... Okay, so maybe it was. Uh, I just have no way to quantify that. Okay, so, okay. But just Nintendo in general, actually, like... I We always were always... We're always getting girls over to our house... Just the so they can play Mario Party, Mario Kart, uh, and then when the when the Wii came out, like girls were like, "You have a Wii? Yeah, I want to come over and play that." Wow, this is quite a tangent, but I mean, if that's how you got the ladies, you've got a <laughs> smooth game, man. <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> here I am. Here you are. All right, so. I don't know how the transaction back into what we're talking about. So we're talking about ROM sites. Right. Um, well, actually, we can continue on and go into the Wii U. The Wii U had like a bad. really big homebrew, um, what do you call it, community, mm-hmm. in terms of pretty much jailbreaking the, the Wii U and the Wii, really. 
to play a lot of these ROMs. So then it became a lot more popular to download them because people would put them on the consoles that they actually bought from Nintendo. And then they use them to play that way. And then if you look at now... I didn't even the, know they had that for the Wii U. Yeah. yeah. There's so much stuff you can do with this console once you break it, I guess. Anyways, um, the same thing happened with the, the Nintendo Classic and the Super Nintendo Classic. Somebody figured out a way to break them open and to uh, oh, you can add your Super own ROMs to it. They got the Super Nintendo already, too? Yeah. They got that one almost like a week afterwards. It was a pretty big story. Somebody was like, yeah, we figured out you just connect this, this, and this, and oh, this, gosh, and you I run this program, that. and you break it, and you, you can well, have access to all of these I would things. imagine with the, with the Nintendo, you know, the Nintendo Classic that came out, you know, somebody did that, and <coughs> Nintendo's probably like, yeah, but how much money are we really going to make off these old Nintendo games? Mm-hmm. But then all of a sudden, they did it Super Nintendo, and they're like, no, those are... Those are definitely some valuable properties on there. You exactly. To back off. So. Um, but yeah, so I'm I'm pretty sure that what motivated them is looking at their their bottom line, and a lot but, of the people who own those those IPs is probably saying, you know what, we can make some more money off it, and what's to say we don't get the extra license we need to add more games to the Super Nintendo Classic or the next release of the Classic, and then. Uh, yeah, I have wondered about if they're going to do something like that, but. So one of the things about that though is, like all the heavy hitters are already on Nintendo Classic, the Super Nintendo Classic. Mm-hmm. So what's gonna like, what's gonna draw people in for you know the next system? So are they gonna do something that's like a combo system? Actually, well they have. I mean they just announced their twenty dollar a year network service mm-hmm. and but it has like a rotating catalog. Not necessarily. yeah, it has a rotating catalog. But you do get the place when they're, you know, the back titles or whatever. I mean, it could be that they're only doing these classics for like a stopgap, and then once they finally put the their subscription service oh. to use, then they're gonna they're gonna probably that stop producing sense. those. Mm-hmm. So then, I mean, subscriptions are the wave of the future now. Right. Um, uh, that makes a lot of sense because so, they're. Just, I mean, realistically, they're just. Well, but why? Why? Why not just keep adding more value? Because the more value you add. And more people are like, oh, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll sign up for this. I, Well, for subscriptions, that is the value. You're paying for them to constantly update a service. Whereas for, like, the Super NES Classic, they have no uh, financial incentive to continue mm-hmm. to add stuff to it. And if they do, they'd have to release another version of it because the, they didn't make that hardware to be, like, directly connected to the Internet so they could update on the fly. Doesn't it have, doesn't it have a USB in the back, though? It does. But that requires the user knows how to use that kind of stuff. No, but is, I mean, well, but, but I mean, I suppose they could. They, you know, yeah. like, well, I, could, I suppose that Nintendo could release USB packs that have it could their yeah. games on it. It's perfect. It's perfectly feasible. And says I don't think because of the way Nintendo works in terms of making everything user friendly and making everything um, plug and play. I mean, that's kind of their whole thing. It's, it needs to be family. Family oriented, family friendly. I don't. You want to be able to pick up your Wii or your Wii U or your Switch and just play. You don't want to have to set up device drivers and all that other stuff, right? So I would, I would think they probably wouldn't want to release something like that. Plus, if it is a USB pack, then they're charging for hardware, then there's manufacturing associated with that, and I feel like it's just a, it's a whole another investment. Well, I mean, they're casual. I mean, that casual audience that was all over the 
the Wii, you know, mm-hmm. that's probably the ones they're getting back. Because, like, so one of my buddies, he still has an in, or Xbox 360, and that's all he has. He never plays anything. But he, like, couldn't wait to buy these classic systems. But, yeah. I mean, I guess there are there are certain people that it, it kind of goes back to what we talked about the other day and nostalgia. They look at, these are the games I originally played. I want to play them again. And I want to play them with this little case that looks like the thing I used to play. You know? So I was wrong. There's the USB. It's just for the power cord. Mm-hmm. So there's no actual USB slot. So they really did make these classic consoles. So they're just, that's it. That's all there is. Mm-hmm. But somebody figured out a way around that. Yeah. Of course. On that note, let's take a break and we'll be right back. And we're back. Uh, so I'm curious. So are you? Are you a bit of? Are you a Nintendo fanboy? Somewhat. I would say that I like a lot of their stuff, and I tend to not, not like their stuff. That's a double negative. So I like all their stuff. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Um, I don't know if I consider myself a fanboy. I do feel like they have succeeded on many fronts, and I also feel like they've dropped the ball on a lot too. So, so are you? I mean, are you a Sony fanboy too? Or are you? I I'm mean, for like, sure a Sony fanboy. That's fair. That's uh, what about Microsoft? I have to use Windows, so there's that. <laughs> uh, but so for <laughs> you, okay. So you know, you got the console wars and everything like that, mm-hmm. and uh, but for you, like. Like, do you really give a shit? Like, if Microsoft came out with the best stuff, like if if Microsoft was coming out with the same content that Sony was coming out with, like you, that doesn't you don't care. Actually, you know what? If Microsoft had the same stuff that Sony had, I wouldn't be such a big fanboy of Sony. I think for me, I'm not I'm not blindly a fanboy. So I like a lot of Sony stuff, mm-hmm. and that's what makes me a fan of Sony. If Microsoft had the same amount of stuff that coming out that Sony did, then I would be a fan of Microsoft as well. Um, right now, I just kind of tolerate Microsoft. Also, like Xbox isn't really my my realm of interest because almost everything that comes on an Xbox, if I really want it, I can usually get it on PC. So, can you get the Halo games on PC now? No, those are one of the only things I think that you cannot get on PC. So because they made Halo. them Xbox exclusive. Got it. Well, Though got I could Halo, you got a uh, Gears is Gears of War exclusive. I don't know. I think maybe the newest one might have come out on PC. Um, just because I think they're trying to do the Xbox everywhere thing. So all I the new. I was titles. always wondering about that. I was like, what? Why are you doing this? Where you're like, everything on Xbox you can play on PC, but then that just brings up the whole: Why does anyone want an Xbox? When I could just play it on the superior PC. What that comes down to is the same thing I was saying about Nintendo and not having the USB packs. Mm -hmm. It's because there's people who would like to set up their console, press a power button, press a button on their controller, and start the game. Whereas Realistically, my wife and my kids, mm -hmm. like, they always need me to come hook up the console, so... So it might be complicated for some people, (laughs) but if you think that's complicated... Think about like the PC market and how overly complicated a lot of things are when it comes to PC. Yeah. I've been doing 
I've been messing with computers since I was a child, so it doesn't seem overly complicated, even though I know that it is, you know? Um, and I would, I like going through and building a new system and doing all that stuff. Whereas other people would prefer to pay the $400 for a new console with better graphics because all they have to do is hook up HDMI and a power cord and then sync their controller, which is literally holding it down, let it flash and you're good. Right. I I almost wonder if like part of it, I mean, this is a whole another topic for later, but like, um, if it's, if people still think of like PC gaming is, is a dorkier brand of gaming as oh, compared sure. to consoles, like you know, it's just what people do. I think it really does occupy the, uh, occupy another space um, because the amount of effort and the amount of time put into just setting up the space to play PC games is a whole other thing. Um, whereas again, Xbox is all about the online. Most of the time, it's the right. shooters, and then. The complication of playing on PC with keyboard and mouse. Some people don't. Some people think that requires too much dexterity. Whereas That's when you have a controller, I'm, I see. I knew you would take that opinion. Um, <laughs> whereas you have a controller, and it everything just seems like it's perfect. It's intuitive. Yeah, it's perfect. It's right where you need it to be. Like you don't have to move your me. hand around. You don't have to worry about you know fifteen twenty keyboard shortcuts and and macros and all this other crap right it's already stressing me out (laughs) which is something i actually enjoy but being stressed out stretching you out Um, (laughs) cool that makes sense uh but yeah that i mean i'm i'm not blindly a fanboy of any of the content that i like Mm. um like for me i really like final fantasy i like square enix and everything but you best believe if they do something wrong, I'm not going to like it. If I'm not going to like it, you know? It's not It's not going to be, you know... You're going to get on the forums and rage. Yeah, it's just... Final Fantasy XV was a good game? Wait, did it, you just confirm that you're a troll? No, I... I said get on the internet forums and rage. And you said, yeah, yeah, yeah that yeah, sounds yeah, terrific. Yeah, sure, sure. <laughs> I don't really do that. But I guess it's the idea of doing that, like, mm. that... I have that mindset that I would want to say stuff like that. But then like most <laughs> it's kind of like a level of like, you know, I really want to say something, but I'm not going to. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I cross my arms exactly like that. Um, <laughs> you get a little pouty face too. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. For sure. <laughs> and, I, and I stomp around and, you know, tantrums. That's cool. As one does when they turn 30. Um, Respect. <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, I'm not. I'm a blind fanboy of uh, Nintendo. I mean, well, I, I mean, so Nintendo's just always been solid, though. Like I've never, I've never owned a Nintendo console and been disappointed. I wasn't even disappointed with the Wii U. There were still titles that I enjoyed to play. I was just about to say something about the Wii U when you said that. <laughs> well, what were you gonna say? I feel like the Wii U is probably their only misstep that nah, they've had in quite some time. I actually, I actually love the Wii U. Except I, for it's a, kind of slow. Like, man, I played Lego City, and oh my gosh. The only thing with the Wii U is that it acted as a stopgap before stopgaps were made popular. What do you mean? I.e. PlayStation 4 and then PS4 Pro mm-hmm. and then Xbox One, Xbox One S, and Xbox One X. Oh, I think they were just they were trying to capitalize on the popularity of the, of the DS, the dual screen thing. Right, right. But in doing so... They didn't make anything. Ext- they didn't. They didn't actually step it up 
mm-hmm. they just added to their previous. And yeah. I think in doing that, a lot of people felt kind of like uh, they, they didn't felt feel like it was innovation. Innovation. Yeah. They're like, well, I already have this on the DS. Yeah, I already have these things. New. You guys okay. have already done this before, and now you're just it, it's it, it is a doubling down. Yeah. yeah. Whereas now, when you go from PS3 to PS4, you got completely different design for everything the interface has been upgraded the graphics have been upgraded yeah. all of the libraries have been updated the online system has been integrated into pretty much everything for whereas, better or worse right whereas with wii u they literally kept almost the same exact interface from the wii they kept everything from the wii really and then they just added another screen and just like a slight bump in in graphic fidelity like if you it's it's definitely it's a bit different it's definitely better i think oh it's better no I'm, i'll give you that it's closer to what kind of like it, it's mm. i felt like it was like a phone upgrade so like you're going yeah. from okay say for instance like a, a galaxy s8 to a galaxy s9 you get like the you get the tech bump you get the little uh, the boost of ram you i mean i'm gonna be honest graphics. i'm way too poor to know the difference between eight and nine i still have my six you have a galaxy s6 I thought you had a newer one. That's what happens when you have families. You have, you have families, shit. multiple families. <laughs> wow, this is exclusive. Please elaborate. <laughs> uh, so anyway, so uh, IGN reviewed Dead Cells this week, and apparently they uh, the the reviewer completely ripped off some I don't know who the YouTuber is some YouTuber's review and just changed words, kind of like you do in middle school. You know, and you think you can get away with it? Yeah, and you think you can get away with it, and of course it's the IGN forums, so you know people are giving them so much shit for it. Uber nerds. <laughs> Ouch. Uh, anyway, <laughs> well, wait. Do so, you, do you participate in these these riots? No, but I I I don't know. I'm I don't know why I'm so fascinated by forums. I always have to read this stuff, and I'm like. Why are people saying this ridiculous stuff? I should comment. No. No, I won't comment. Do you no. also cross your arms with a pouty face and stomp around? Yeah, like every day. Okay. Every time my wife asks me for something. As one does. <laughs> Damn honeydew list. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, anyway, so they so they actually so they just recently re-reviewed it. And it's kind of interesting because, you know, some people are still talking shit and then other people are like, good job stepping up and doing the right thing and reviewing it the right way. And I'm like, and I'm kind of like, well, what the hell else are they going to do? They're not going to stick with the the uh, plagiarized review. Right. What can you do when you're pumping out reviews from people who are constantly like they're forced to play a video game yeah. in as little hours as possible? I want to say I excuse plagiarism because I would hate for somebody to plagiarize my work. Mm. But one of the things that I look at when it comes to video game journalism and something probably why I don't really follow it too much is because it does seem like a lot of these reviewers, you have a lot of people playing games that, first of all, they may not even really be a fan of. And then they're also forced to play said games in a really short period of time because they want to be the And give it a 9.7 out of 10. Also, they give numbers, and I'm not a big fan of that either <laughs> because you can't really. I feel like if you're gonna, well, first of all, this guy 
clearly sucks at plagiarizing. Okay. I mean, <laughs> but like, so if if the other people are now, I feel like I'm giving a how to how to plagiarize, but uh, you know, like if you're gonna do something like that, just be like, you know, at least come up with something like a negative twist on it and give it like a different score, so that maybe people wouldn't be suspicious. In other words, you're saying just to elaborate on the plagiarizing. I'm just piece. saying get better at being sneaky. Okay. So you are an advocate of plagiarism. <laughs> um no. you just you're also an advocate of uh em- embellishing a little bit to, <laughs> to to make it less obvious that you plagiarize. Sometimes in life you gotta do what you gotta do. I don't wanna respond to that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, well, that subject's dead now. <laughs> uh, so, Super Smash Brothers, or, sorry, Nintendo had one of their Nintendo Directs today. It was a Super Smash Brothers one. Uh, they showed, they got Simon Belmont and, oh, Richter Belmont as, like, the Echo Fighter. But when they were showing it, they were showing... K-Rule. K- yeah, K-Rule, K- him too. Good He's job. important. I don't care about the other ones. Wait a minute, really? I don't care about K-Rule. Why not? It seems boring. I don't know. I'm going to cross my arms and pout. <laughs> That's cool. All right. So, but when they showed the, um, the Simon, I don't know what character they're showing one of the characters, but then they showed him fighting Dracula and, uh, the Dracula character had the exact same, uh, moves as, as is in the original, uh, Castlevania game. So people are now speculating that either they're going to have a, a Bosch, boss rush mode or this is going to be part of the campaign i'm starting to think it's part of a campaign just like uh in the wii super smash brothers just because they're doing the same thing where they're 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 kind of when they introduce a new character they kind of have you know they're walking on a platform and and some other character interacts with them and they're like boom look it's waluigi that oh, everyone a character enters yeah a character is <laughs> the stage so so I think they're going to do it right this time, and they're going to put the uh, the campaign mode back in, which makes me really happy. Um, but yeah, anyway, so everyone's like up in arms. The campaign was probably the best thing of Smash Brothers. Yes, it was it was awesome. But so so people really want Waluigi because Waluigi is sexy. <laughs> okay. Or so I've heard. Thank thank you for uh, okay. <laughs> No, I Thank think, you for clarifying for me. I think the internet likes to grab onto things that just seem kind of unpopular and then just yeah, say, you know what? Makes sense. Let's let's make something out of this. And Nobody's I think ever that, happy. Oh my gosh. Also, I think there's so much comedy associated with Waluigi and mm. just Luigi in general. Like just the fact that there are these other characters that were made just to be a second mm-hmm. to a main character that to makes be more bad sense. Bad guys. Pretty much. But I mean, not Luigi though. Um mm-hmm. Oh yeah, not Luigi. Also, Luigi apparently died in the trailer, and now they're all what? Yeah, so I guess the Grim Reaper like slices him, and then you see his spirit come out of his body, and his spirit is like looking down at his dead body, and so like Twitter is going crazy over well, Luigi Mario or Luigi Mario died at thirty four or something like that. <laughs> and well, they have the Lu- Luigi's Mansion, so I'm sure that's has to do with that. Oh, I'm sure too, but I I just think it's hilarious because. Again, it's something to latch on to. Yeah, so for a lot of people, this Luigi or Waluigi thing. Also, he's in almost all the games since he premiered in tennis. Mm-hmm. And well, he's never been in Smash. 
He's never been in Smash. No, but he's I don't think. he. I think he was an assist trophy before or something like that. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, but he's always been since tennis because they needed a partner for Wario. Mm-hmm. He's existed, but he's really existed as just a partner for Wario. So it's funny that they don't include is he him. In the Mario or Mario Party games? Hmm. Is he in the Mario Party? He games? is in the Mario oh, Party okay. games, but again, I don't. I don't. He might have been in some of them and not all of them. Is it, like, I just he's love just, that his catchphrase is Wah Luigi. It, it just makes him so much more lovable. <laughs> um. So also uh well, okay, so this kinda goes to the whole like some of the, somebody's always gotta complain about something. There's like how how many characters is there in the new Smash, do you know? Too many. There's like eighty characters and people were like, What the heck? Why isn't this character included? Why isn't too? Goku in there? I was just about to bring that up. <laughs> <laughs> Why isn't Goku in there? Because he, first of all, he's nowhere close to a Nintendo property. First of all, because nowhere. Well, neither is. Did you really just? <laughs> Jeez. Uh, let's see. Well, Sonic's not. Well, Sonic's been in Sonic and the Mario Olympics, mm-hmm. okay. And then Metal Gear was was on. <sighs> I feel like maybe you should be better at this. About, no, about putting my phone on vibrate my bad uh but uh <laughs> probably not putting it on the table <laughs> <laughs> snake well Sol- okay so Sol's snake was on one gamecube game but it was once. an exclusive gamecube game that being said it means that nintendo had a partnership with them that's mm, damn yeah ah who cloud was never in a but nintendo, nintendo has had a partnership with square enix not for cloud. the first six games. Okay. Square. Why didn't they use like Terra or Cecil or? Did Game? you want to see any of them fighting that way? Yeah. Of course you did. Jesus, I, sh- I should know. I shouldn't ask you questions like that because I know your answer is going to be yes. Maybe put Lock on there in there. <laughs> um, I think also fun. Um, Cloud is the most recognizable character yeah. for people outside of the genre as well, but. It stems from them having a partnership with Square for a lot of games. Is it? Oh, never mind. Who? Cloud has been in a Nintendo game. It's Which one? one of your favorite Square Enix games. Oh, man. Hit me with it. What? Okay. I thought you knew. Tactics. He has been in Tactics. Yeah. But that's not a Nintendo game. Yeah, but it was on the Oh, DS. Tactics Advance. Mm-hmm. Uh... So that's that's their way around it. I guess if they needed that justification, I'm pretty sure they were like, hey, we want Cloud. And then Square X was like, cool, we need to cut. <laughs> <laughs> also, well, this is a great advertisement Chrono. for this remake that we're I making. Say, well, that I we'll had Cro- well, no, Cloud's cool, but I would have I liked Chrono. That was Super Nintendo. Chrono might have been actually pretty good. Yeah. He could have been like a perfect replacement. Well, then everyone Chrono. wants Sora, and the list goes on forever. I feel like Sora's inevitable. I think, I think, yeah, I think that's just kind of something that's going to happen. But And then people want Kratos. I mean, it's weird. Actually, you know what? Maybe Sora's not inevitable. That's a Sony partnership. That's not mm, a, That's a Sony part- partnership. Well, no, that's not true either. Uh, the, so the second Kingdom Hearts game was on Jeez. the DS. Yeah, it was on the DS. Actually, they have... And Chain they of have Memories like four or five Advance. games on Nintendo consoles. Yeah, and then so the it really is half 365 half. over... Or yeah, they got uh, Chain of Memories... 365, that coded. They have um, Dream Drop Distance. They have. 
Yeah, Sora, Sora is inevitable One then. One more I'm missing. No, you're not. Or maybe not. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that so. is probably inevitable. Wow. Okay. Didn't even really think about that. But most people are complaining about Goku. Yeah. I don't know why. He's been on... Well, <laughs> he's on that Super Nintendo game on the Famicom. You saw that one. Actually, in The Japan, one that wasn't translated? Translated? Yeah, yeah, yeah. In Japan, well, I mean, they had all the, the Street Fighter-like Dragon Ball games. So those were on the Super Nintendo. So he's been on there. But people are, you know, the arguments that he didn't re- originate in a video game. That makes actually a lot of sense. He's technically not a video game character. He's an anime character that has video games. I mean, I guess realistically, I don't really care if Goku's in it. If he was in it, I'd be like, oh, that's neat. But then, I don't really care. Yeah, I don't really play Smash a lot, but I did... I mean, I play... Oh, I smashed. <laughs> Silence. And this, kids, is how kids are made. <laughs> um, I have some of those. I played Melee. Brawl Which one's that? Uh, Melee is the one with the scenario or the campaign. No. Yes. Hold on. Melee is we. I need you to be an expert on Smash before we do these podcasts. Yes. I'm kinda, okay, so wait. Melee there's, is, okay, there's Melee Smash is Brothers, GameCube there's and Brawl, Brawl then there's is Melee, Wii. then there's... Yeah. There, there's Wii U, Smash Brothers, but that doesn't even count. Nobody cares about that one. Um... Okay, a lot of people care about that one, apparently. It's really <laughs> yeah, they good. cared. Uh, oh okay, my gosh, so, I have to buy a Wii U now. Damn it. So Brawl is... Um, Brawl is Wii. Melee is GameCube. Right? I don't know. I have a good idea. Because the internet knows everything. Google. 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 No, not just Google. There's Bing. <laughs> no, there isn't. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's really sad for there, Bing There is that no you can't... Bing on this podcast At all <laughs> That's sad for Bing though That you can't like keep a straight face when you say that It's funny because Microsoft has been pushing the use of Bing By giving you like points for searching on Bing <laughs> And then I think you can like Cash it in for like Xbox One Cards and whatnot. They're trying to build like a whole that's... ecosystem That rewards you for using their products And whatnot. Which, I mean, they're they're effectively gamifying searching on the internet. Which, I mean, <laughs> I think seems it's a so good plan. weird. It's a good plan. I think Google should just be like, hey, how about we uh, team up with Microsoft real quick and we gamify Google? See how much more Google searches there would be, even though they technically dominate the market, and then Bing would just disappear. Yeah, I think Google's fine. Um, so Melee was on the Wii and Brawl was on the Wii U. And then Ultimate is going to be on the Switch. There was the 3DS. Oh, wait a minute. Brawl was not on the Wii U. Yeah. Brawl was on the Wii. You. No. Wii U. No. <laughs> I think so if you keep on going, no, it's going to happen. So what was... Uh, ah, damn what it. It was on the Wii. Yeah. Son I of a I was. I knew I was right. Then what the hell was the man? This is the best podcast shit ever. <laughs> oh, there um, was a GameCube. Ah, I forgot. I just GameCube. said that. I forgot. I, said that so I forgot. Smash time. Brothers started on the Nintendo sixty four. You don't be listening. I wasn't because I was looking this up up on something <laughs> other than Bing. Mm. So you're saying Bing's our Bing... sponsor, by the way. So, <laughs> so you're saying that 
that Bing is the best Thanks, engine ever. Bing. Oh yeah, <laughs> Bing is awesome. I love Bing. No sarcasm. <laughs> there was a lot there. All right. Uh, okay. So you're supposed to look at my hands when I do the pause motion. Yeah, and you're also probably not supposed to continue talking about how I'm not looking at your hands while you're doing the pause. <laughs> All right, well, screw you. We won't pause this shit. Okay. <laughs> so, on to some other stuff. And once again, thank you for our sponsor, Bing. Uh, that was a great commercial for that break. No, Bing. No. <laughs> so, uh,. Will. Yes. What's your favorite <laughs> RPG? Wow, that was quite the quite the transition. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's several different categories for RPGs, and I think that I would be remiss. By several, do you mean two? There's actually way more than that, in my opinion. Or oh, okay, a couple okay. different types All of right, 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 yeah, there is. Okay. There's strategy RPGs, there's JRPGs, there's action RPGs, there's CRPGs. Which are computer RPGs, i.e. Baldur's Gate. Or this is also a good podcast. It's Divinity. like Forrest Gump when he's listening to a shrimp. <laughs> are you comparing me to the shrimp guy? Uh, <laughs> to Bubba? I mean, that's fine, too. Anyways, so if we're talking about RPGs, my favorite JRPG would be Xenogears. What about you? Well, I'm pretty sure you already know that it's Xenogears as well. That's the only way reason, reason that we're friends. <laughs> <laughs> the only reason the why only I started reason. this podcast is because of Xenogears. It brings people together. Hmm. Um, Actually, so that's really funny that you say that because I feel like it does. Because anytime I ever find out someone's played Xenogears, I'm like, oh shit, we are now friends. I mean, it, has it, this happened to you? Kind of. Yeah, yeah, kind of. I mean, I feel like Xenogears is such a deep game that it's kind of hard. Like, if you've completed the game. Mm-hmm then it takes a special kind of person to get through some of the stuff that's in that game. Um, I don't know. It's, it's what makes it a good game. It had a really immersive world that you got into, and you actually felt like you were not only just a character in this world, but an essential character to this world. And they start off kind of doing the, the stereotypical... I don't really remember being the main character. I remember Faye being the main character. I was the main character, and my name was Faye. Oh, okay. Ah, I see what I did there. Can you name your characters in that? I don't no, remember. I don't think so. No. Hmm. Pretty sure you can't. I feel like you can. You can name your gear. I don't remember that either. Crap. This is my favorite game. I don't remember nothing. Anyways, I remember a lot about the story. Uh, but effectively, <laughs> they start you off in the stereotypical way that they do most JRPGs. Kind of just a kid that gets thrown into a situation. Amnesia. Oh, gosh. Yeah. With, with sewers the, with the amnesia oh gosh please don't oh gosh not the sewers <laughs> they do they, but again it has all the stereotypical tropes but it I starts off that way right and then like suddenly like you you take a dive off the deep end mm-hmm. into the crazy theology of this world and, oh, and, and philosophy and, and philosophy and and then like you go from being just like oh it's just you know just a fighting little rpg whatever da 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 it does this thing and then all of a sudden now there's gears. There's these giant robots that you get to pilot, and then suddenly, like now they're connected to this. I'm pretty beam. sure those are in, like the first scene of the game. True, 
Anyways, but like they, they, become, they become way more game. essential to the game, huh? I feel like you need to go back and play the game. No, I remember. Like, whenever you... The, in the fire and the know, piloting and stuff. I remember that. Gosh, but I'm talking spoilers, about, like... dude. Wow, for the first 10 minutes <laughs> of the game. But you go from having this gear and you're not really knowing what it's about. And then suddenly they become, like, essential to everything. Mm. And then they're connected to otherworldly beings. And then suddenly Smash. you're connected to otherworldly beings. And then Smash. suddenly it goes from being just like world building to, to universe building. And kind of just the way that everything's connected and how it's all of that just to, to kind of go along the lines of a philosophy. It's, and I can understand how people would have a hard time getting into that one because it just dives in and there's an overwhelming amount of information that it kind mm-hmm. of throws at you at first mm-hmm. um but you know like that's that's game of thrones game of thrones is just like that I actually had to rewatch the first season mm-hmm. just because i was like oh my gosh there's so many freaking characters and a what, lot of anime is like that too and... a lot of anime is like that too a lot of the big animes that people love like the dragon balls and the um and the naruto or or bleach or, yeah, or one know. piece I they mean, introduce me, dragon ball is like simple it's simple because you grew up with it. So you grew That's up true. understanding okay. it. So there's a lot of other people when you say Goku, Vegeta, Trunks, Goten, Gotenks, <laughs> Actually, it was Piccolo. Uh, you know, like you start naming off the cast and it's yeah. extremely large. They just and, had uh, some the Dragon Ball um, phone game on uh, Clueless Gamer. Okay. And and I didn't really thought about it because, like, you know, I don't remember the guy's name that always shows the game, the Conan. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> he was he was like going deep into the story, and I was like, "Wow, there is a shit ton of lore in this." Okay, yeah. so yeah, okay. so there's a there's a lot of there's a lot of but not as complex that... as Xenogears hmm? or, or Game of Thrones. I feel like a lot of Xenogear story is not really it. Oh, it's forcibly com- complex. But if you look at forcibly complex, yes, because if you look at Game of Thrones and you look at anime, you can simplify those down, and then you'll be fine. You don't really have to. Like you were saying, Dragon Ball Z, it's simple. Boy meets throne. Boy wants throne. <laughs> Game of Thrones can be really simplified to that. Literally just, they want, he wants this, they want that. This person doesn't want them to have that. that but Xenokiris kind of puts you in this position where you, you look at the story and if you try to simplify it down, like I was trying to explain the story, it's hard to... It had so much body to it mm-hmm. that it's hard to condense all of that into a simplified plot. Sure. Because in order to explain the plot, you have to explain all the intricacies of the plot. Um, That's true. Just like Kingdom Hearts, yeah. they always have those. Uh, they always have those videos of people trying to explain Kingdom Hearts to someone else, and they're just like, "What." Oh man, because that because Kingdom Hearts actually Kingdom Hearts does a lot of what Xenogears and what Xenosaga would later do as well, in that it explains its story in a very circular fashion. So a lot of the things that you're doing, you your part of your story happens on one part of the circle, and then another part of the story is happening in another piece of the circle, and so eventually that part is always going to lead back to your part of the story, but then they explain it in such a um, like an out of order fashion that you're still trying to figure out where you are on said circle and how 
or which events mm-hmm. actually connect to you or do they connect to another event that connects to you or they connect to another person that somehow connects to you as well so like that's probably why i like legion so much actually because mm-hmm. it's it does the same thing oh, there's gosh, something about great. complex um stories and that that require you to actually think about them a little bit that makes it a little bit more it feels more like you're involved in the story Maybe because you because you're actually having to expend brain power to be a part of that it's because you're doing your impression of sherlock holmes throughout the on the story oh yeah or or like uh zach galifianakis and hangover when he's doing the calculating for the he's okay. counting cards and he makes them their money back so they can go pay the asian dude in the desert and then they got mike epps instead of their person and then they found out that he was on the roof oh my goodness how i've I seen it even... i don't remember it okay <laughs> well and I've, a... I've seen all three of them and i know that they have the exact same plot and i don't yeah. well remember. that was a spoiler for hangover one um <laughs> it's not much i'm of a sorry spoiler. for anybody who hasn't seen that movie yet um <laughs> but uh back to xenogears uh but yeah so that's... i don't know if you can really spoil movies or what is that movie like 15 years ago now yeah, I'm pretty sure we made uh, a point in the first episode to say that that's what these media venues are all about, just yeah. spoiling everything. Oh, oh we're, we're okay, we're spoiling stuff. I'm trying not to spoil a bunch of things. I, I mean, that's why I'm not going to tell you the whole that story. Mean, that means we need years, a, like, but... a sound by the, when you tell me you start talking about it, spoiler alert, you know. I mean, I stayed quiet for you to make that pew, sound. pew, pew. Okay, um, but yeah. Go so, on about so why do, is a uh, so? Um, I mean, those are the reasons why I like Xenogears. Are they relatively the same things? I mean, or do you have more to to elaborate on the reason why? I just like thought it was really cool that your character could jump. <laughs> you know, I'm not gonna lie that that was definitely one of the yeah one of the things about Xenogears is that instead wow, of I can't believe like I was just joking and you're like I'll take that's it. serious. <laughs> so you got Final Fantasy seven through nine mm-hmm. and the world is is a is a painted background you know right and you're walking in that area but Xenogears said no we're not gonna do that and they made 3D areas which is something that kind of blew my mind. Um, then they added yeah, actually, platforming I, mm-hmm. which wasn't the greatest platforming. But it added another layer to. They should have waited to make it on PS2 then. Hmm. They should have waited to make it on PS2. I don't think so. They wouldn't have had the money for the PS2. Yeah, I feel like I... it wouldn't. It would because ha- they would have to be held to a different That's standard. That's true. I mean, he could, he barely was able to push that game out. Yeah. Um. But yeah. So it had like an extra layer on top of the yeah. RPG elements. It had platforming elements, which I will say again, they sucked. And yeah, they, they sucked. They were really frustrating, um, and oh my gosh, I I don't know. It was really yeah. fun, jumping but it was up still on things, fun though. It was still fun, yeah. and then falling all the way down, and then going all the way back that's up. I mean, there's a whole game that's based on that. You know, the dude with the the shovel and yeah. So so what you're saying is they should make a mini game out of the Xenogears platforming and falling all the way back down. Yes. Okay. Um, so anyway, some of the reasons, all right, so, I mean, it, it's pretty much all the reasons that you said, you know, it's, it's a game that makes you think about what's going on in the story. You're, it's not just like, here you go, you know, it's, it's a little bit of a mystery and you gotta, you gotta think on your own a little bit to piece things together. Um, and, and that's why, like, I mean, I've, I've probably beat it 
well, I'll just say at least five times. And each time I play that this game, I've gotten something new out of it. Every time I played it. And the music's kind of incredible. But, I mean, it's kind the same. No, it is incredible. It's truly incredible. <laughs> but it's the same guy that did Chrono Trigger, Chrono Tr- Cross. And, well, and the first Xenosaga, I think? I think he's... I think he still did. No, no. I think you're right. I think it was, was a new a, person. There's another composer for second and third. And that's why people were pissed. Yes. Lots of other things. Among other things. I mean, still good games. Okay. So but, yeah. Although, I mean, the music really. I don't. Really, I don't think I can say enough about the music. The music was really, really, really good. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Okay. That's it. Yeah. So, <laughs> all right. So, but if that's we're gonna it. go, oh, go ahead. Sorry, that's that's just JRPGs though. Um, out of out of those games, I do think that Xenogear still ranks kind of high in my favorite games of all time. Yeah. But uh, relatively like top five of my favorite games of all time. But in terms of JRPGs, definitely the best one. I mean, um, other RPGs. That one's a hard one, though. Like, for me, like, there's so many JRPGs that I love. I mean, Xenogears is at the top just because I think it's one of the first ones that that stood out, you know? Mm-hmm. So I'm sure there's a little bit of a nostalgia factor. Well, that's not even true because, I mean, you got Chrono Tr- Trigger. Mm-hmm. And, um, but I think the com- complexity of Xenogears is, is really what, what does it you know like chrono i mean well it's they're all basically made by the same people though chrono trigger chrono cross xeno gears and each time it was kind of a step up in complexity you know if you have chrono cross which is a great laid out story and they have chrono cross which is more complex more time like it's so tiny whiny stuff yeah but it's so i mean it's another complex story where you know you can't just you can't just play it once and you're like, oh, I get it. You know, you kind of kind of play it again and really like think about what's going on. Okay. Yeah. Um, one of these days I'll probably get around to Chrono Cross. But That's good. So I've heard. So I've heard. <laughs> um, any other RPGs for you that that you liked or that that would rank up pretty high? Not necessarily JRPGs. Well, I mean, I mean, there's there's stereotypical ones, you know, where. I mean, we're both big fans of Final Fantasy. Um, may, I mean, not JRPGs. Just in general, there's definitely been there's definitely been Final Fantasies that haven't been <laughs> as good. And again, and I'm still like de- trying to decide how I feel about the newer Final Fantasies, but I still enjoy them. So, um, I mean, all those Kingdom Hearts. I love the Persona ones. Yeah, I wonder if Will likes the Persona ones. <laughs> I wouldn't say I'm the the biggest fan of them. I think they're very innovative in the way that they take their their approach on RPGs and their approach on kind of melding it with the the social genre. I kind of is that is that a thing? I don't sure. know. Kind of just the way they have oh, like yeah, I see the, what you're the, the, the social, social balance drama. Yeah. Mm. So they do that and then melding that with RPG mechanics and then not being afraid to make the RPG mechanics their own and not necessarily... So, yeah, they're turn-based, but then they have that that thing where, like, if you expose weaknesses and stuff like that, then you can, like, trigger multiple attacks and stuff like that. So the giving giving that extra feel of, yeah, it's turn-based, but now it's strategy turn-based, you know? So they have... So it has a unique flair to it, 
and I just I think for me the thing I didn't like was the social simulation because I'm I'm not exactly the biggest fan of having to like manage that kind of stuff while playing an RPG like because you're already managing enough as playing an RPG in terms of stats equipment and like how you play those kinds of things but I know those things also bleed into stats and mechanics and stuff like that too so I think for me is there's so much variability um I don't know if it's like diagnosable anxiety but like I feel like I get anxiety whenever like I play those kinds of games because I feel like like, I don't know what to say to them damn it yeah what if I say this and then suddenly my strength goes down and now I can't play with the weapon that I want (laughs) to play your strength doesn't go okay your strength doesn't go down but but. I mean example or like a that's kind of like what goes on oh gosh now I have to spend more time with this mother hubbard mother hubbard yes well, I don't. I don't really know if we're, this is a swearing podcast. I don't really know if it's a clean one. I would prefer not to. I think we can kind of. Get so away it's PG thirteen. Yes. So, so we're allowed to say couple. the f bomb once a podcast. Yes. Okay. I guess. Okay. Only Though I'm pretty sure we could just blink it out. I don't know. There's not nothing hard about that. Nothing that's going to make that make it less. Plus, you say mother, and then you say it, and then everybody's going to know what you said. The mf word. Sure, <laughs> sure, man. <laughs> is that is that one word? Is that two words? Hmm. Um. Yeah. These are the things. We Maybe we should check with our about. sponsor, Bing. Ah, here we go. Um. So. <laughs> All right. So anyway, so tell me about your favorite Western RPGs. Because nobody cares about strategy RPGs. Wow. <laughs> Just kidding. Wow. Well, you know what? Because you don't care about strategy RPGs, I do actually. I love Fire Emblem. I love this yeah. guy. I, don't, I didn't really strategy like RPGs tactics. Are great. Like you did. I think they just occupy a very like niche spot in that they do. They require a lot of time. They're they're one of those. They're one of those things where, or they're one of the one of the few RPGs where when you're playing, you don't get instant gratification for the things that you do. You have to look for it's like because there's like scenario and mission based. Most of the time, I think pretty much like ninety nine percent of the time they're mission yeah. based, right? Actually, yeah. Well, actually, this kind of brings me into uh, the scenario thing for. Yeah, there. Oh, I forgot about Ark the Lad. I, it, I did like those too. Anyway, um, but the new Fire Emblem games, mm-hmm. it's like, so they have this scenario structure, and and it's almost just like it's just like a CW show where there's. 23 episodes and they're like <laughs> how do we fill up 23 episodes they're doing the same thing with the fire emblem games we're like well we want to have 24 battles mm-hmm. but in between we want to make sure there's some story in here but i think that's the one thing about strategy rpgs that always tends to fall to the wayside and yeah. that few have been able to to fully capitalize on is that the story always typically takes place in between scenarios mm-hmm so it feels like it's two separate things. Like you play a scenario so you can get to more story right. as opposed to the scenario playing is part of the story. Even though it fits in there, it's not like you don't do just scenarios just to do them, but the scenarios themselves do kind of feel like a separate a separate part. Um, or they feel like you go from story phase to gameplay phase to story phase to gameplay phase. Whereas... You have, like, 
um, I would say like for most JRPGs, you have where the story takes the forefront and the the uh, the gameplay kind of falls into the story and it's right. fine. But a lot of the scenarios and strategy RPGs, let's say for instance Tactics, which Tactics still had a good story. And I think whenever they remade it, the the War of the Lions or whatever, I think that's what it's called. Mm-hmm. Um, they right. added the cutscenes that made it feel more story or story oriented. But if you look back at the original version of the game, it just felt like there was just so much like they squished in as much dialogue as possible in between scenarios that it got kind of got to a point where you're like, these scenarios take me. 30 minutes then i get and then i have to read for 30 minutes <laughs> so then the story becomes less significant mm-hmm. whereas you have like a normal jrpg where you talk for maybe like a couple minutes and then you're moving on you're talking for a couple minutes and you're moving on you get crazy cutscenes, and then you're moving on like everything constantly feels like it's kind of like chugging along but the strategy rpgs it seems like if i'm saving it right here it's because the scenario is going to take me a long time or uh, I've played it before, and I know I'm probably gonna die here or something. Like it's just, it's always uh, they just take a lot of time. I think you spend so much time in the battle as opposed to JRPG quick battles, and you're done, and you move on to the next one. You know. Now that I'm really thinking it about it, it separates the gameplay from your yeah yeah. Well, well, now that I'm thinking about it. I think like this guy kind of has the right formula. So th- typically, there's. Have you played the Disgaea games? I started one and I didn't. I wasn't a fan of the. Did you play the mood. one? Mood. The Harl. Mm, I don't know. It's the one with the like the blue hair that goes out. I, th- really I think so. That's the best one. Okay. It's the best character. Okay. Um, but the the way they structure that is so they typically have about eight scenarios, mm-hmm. and each scenario they have about four sub scenarios. And they'll do the beginning part, and then you go to the first battle, and there's some scenario there, some story scenario. And then they kind of do it where, like, for the other ones, like, usually it's just really quick. Just really quick, like, oh, there's the bad guy. Oh, what are you guys doing here? Let's fight, you know? And and so they're only really worrying about the main story arcs at the very beginning of it and the very end. Mm -hmm. Instead of, like, Fire Emblem... Well, I'm mostly talking about, I think it's Awakening, whatever the newest one was. Um, oh, Birthright and um, whatever the other one is. But that's how they, they structure it. It's, it's just, it has to be, you have to have to have story here. And it's just like the same thing over and over and over again. So, anyway. So, so that's probably why we don't want to talk about them, even though we just ended up talking about them for a long time. But that's okay. Um, so Western RPGs, um, I would say that there's kind of two categories of that as well. You have CRPGs, uh, starting with like the old, uh, Baldur's. What's CRPG? Oh, sorry. CRPG stands for computer RPG. Um, it typically involves like the Baldur's Gate, Icewind Dale, um, nowadays like a Divinity Original Sin, which comes on consoles and stuff, Mm -hmm. but it's structured in the way of the old CRPGs. Um, and then you have like action rpgs or i guess kind of action rpgs i mean they like i always thought they still felt just like a typical jrpg except oh well depends on how like is there a western action rpg so i think most of the thing that defines a western rpg in general is from, action 
typically because yeah. a lot of Amer- the American audience likes the the quick moving mm-hmm. um, aspect of things. But then it's also, if you look at it, a lot of the influences are drawn from Dungeons and Dragons. So you have a right. lot of the mystical and sometimes the gothic and the like those kinds of uh, worlds that they're built around. And if you really look at JRPGs, they're typically built around more fantastical worlds and not necessarily such... Um, I don't know. Western RPGs tend to be really dark worlds. Um, but being as dark as they are they still have they have to have like a uniqueness to that darkness i guess um you have games like i guess in recent memory would be the witcher which kind of took that idea of having like a dark world but then adding the life of the people themselves are what kind of liven up the world um instead of having i'm trying to think of an example of a I guess Skyrim would also be considered That's RPG. A, a, a Western RPG. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you look, I guess that would be the easiest to associate with. It has some of the biggest, some of the big Western RPG tropes. It has a big world. It has a lot of variability as to how you can play it. it has, sewers? Does it have sewers? I do believe it has sewers. Mm-hmm. Amnesia? Quite possibly. <laughs> I don't know. Um... It has. Oh, doesn't Witcher? Qu- Witcher has. Doesn't that have amnesia at some point? Yes. Yeah. Um, it has side quests. It seems to be something that's way more popular with Western RPGs than it is for JRPGs. JRPGs have typically things that can happen, and they don't quite. They don't quantify it the same way. And then you have um, Western RPGs, where they typically give you a quest log. You know, you can keep track of the scenario that you're currently working on. And then they tell you when you're doing side quests specifically, you know, that was kind of like a, a big thing that di- differentiated the way JRPGs and Western RPGs played out because you kind of knew the narrative that you were following as opposed to JRPGs where you just played the scenario and, and you never, and then you have, and then you have Final Fantasy 15 trying to mold them together, meld them together. Yeah. yeah. Um, but out of the American RPGs, I would say Witcher 3 probably has been, or Western RPGs, because um, technically it's not American. Um, CD Projekt Red, I think it's like a Swedish company. Oh, I didn't know that. Um, but I think out of the out of the, the Western RPGs, it's probably been one of my favorite ones, because it, it did a thing that I hadn't seen very much and hadn't really, um, it wasn't noticeable enough in other previous games that I had played that I'd be able to call it out and that is meaningful side quests so they did give you the ability to track all these quests that you're doing and all the side quests that you're doing but somehow not really somehow really good storytelling they were able to make these side quests feel unique yeah sometimes you kind of looked at it you knew this was gonna be some kind of tracking quest or kind of a fetch quest or kind of a go kill this kind of quest but then they made it to where it never felt like get quest kill thing return quest get reward you know it felt more like get quest find out there's a plot twist because whatever they said like there's a monster attacking da 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 you go and you look for said monster you're following its tracks then you find you go out to into uh, let's just say you go into a tombstone and then suddenly you find out that the person that they thought was dead 
is not dead and that's actually the monster that's been attacking people so then you have to find out you have to go back to that person you have to find out like maybe what happened to that person how they died and then you have to go and look for clues where they had died and like you, you see what i'm saying like there's there's a lot more depth to these quests it never felt like if you saw a quest you knew what type of quest it would be and then you'd be able to to figure it out immediately well, speak, so it sounds like i mean it kind of sounds like the whole almost you're like like you're well does so does those side quests tie into the main story yes that's another thing um i won't say all of them affect the main story but there are some where you feel like it might just be like an irrelevant side story but a good so it, it, it they enhance the main story yes there are some there was a quest that i did and, I'm, and i don't want to really give away all of it but there was a quest that i did that i made a decision that greatly affected the main scenario so i made a decision to let somebody go free and in doing so i was actually saving these kids but in doing all of this, the thing I set free went against something that somebody else wanted done. And because that thing that somebody else wanted done was gone against, they decided they weren't going to do something else for me. And I needed them to do that something else for me for somebody else. And because the other person didn't get what they wanted, they ended up killing themselves. But it was like a whole chain of events because I did a side quest and made a decision. Well, I mean... In- Obviously, but, it sounds like they really fo- like the developers really focused on being ambiguous and not and mm-hmm. focusing on like, well, let's make this more like the real world where there's no right wrong answer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which I mean, that's well, there's a lot of Western RPGs that, that like doing. I'll, I'll, it's kind of weird though, because because like for me, I'm like, eh, I don't really want to play that though. I want I want this clear, concise story. Mm-hmm. You know. But but it intrigues me. I don't know how that makes sense. So you're saying you would want something more like a Paragon Renegade system? Yes. Which which is why I put Mass Effect as one of my favorite Webster RPGs. Even though everyone doesn't like the ending of the part three, but I'm not saying I'm a big fan of it, but I mean you know I didn't I mean I didn't like I didn't like the ending. I, I had the I had the I had the, in my head, the fan theory, the indoctrination theory mm-hmm. is is my real ending. And now I'm like, okay, with the the game series. I, I was annoyed. I was super annoyed. I wasn't, like, everyone was like, oh my gosh, we made all these decisions and they meant nothing. I'm like, well, you gotta, you gotta bring it back together, you know? You, you untie all the strings you know eventually you have to tie them all back into one thing because it's i mean it's i don't know i mean they could they could have done better they could have had a few different threads but i think they wanted to have a concise story ending because mm-hmm. at one at some point like if, well if it you know, they wanted like that, a canon ending like yeah a canon like- ending so that if they were to continue the series they could even right. though Still seems kind of weird. Yeah, even though realistically the ending they still went with doesn't win to doing that. Yeah. And then they made Andromeda and that game sucked. Boo. Well, okay. It didn't suck. It just, it was not, it was like. It was like the Dragon Age 2 of Mass Effect. Yes, that's, 
I've never I've never played Dragon Age two. Well, more than like an hour of it. <laughs> but, yeah, but it from what I've times. heard, yes, it sounds like the Dragon Age two of the Mass Effect series. So, yeah, that's what happens when you go from making RPGs for computers and making RPGs because you want to make them, and then going to crap we need another entry into the series and we need to make it more compatible with console i mean oh okay so that's what happened so they made it for pc first mm-hmm. so you but have mass they effect make, one they originally made the first mass effect for xbox right it was originally for pc, PC? Oh. i believe so um but if you okay so i guess what really when it comes down to is you've got bioware working on like rpgs for for the pc you have dragon age which one of one of the greats of of the of the Western RPGs. What did you find? Mm. Either way, so the first Nothing. Dragon so the first Dragon Age came out and it's for PC, and then I think they ported it over to the consoles, um, and simplified it down. Then you have Dragon Age Two, which started on the consoles, but then was backwards ported for PC, I believe, and then you can tell. Like, the control scenario was made... It's turned from being, like, kind of strategy-based where you could pause the battle and and kind of figure out where you want your people to go and the kind of order of things you want people to do in the original Dragon Age to Dragon Age 2 being really action-oriented and having, like, um, hack-and-slash mechanics with a couple of extra abilities that you could use. It looks like it was released together. Okay. Um... Well, I guess it was a shooter. That makes a little bit more sense. Either way, if you really look at it the way... Again, actually, you know what? It did the same thing Dragon Age did. It went from Mass Effect 1 being for kind of like that strategy feeling. It never felt like you were like running and gunning. You were always using your cover. You were always using your abilities. You were always using your tactics with your party. You could pause the the uh, the battle. So you could Dragon Age? No, no. Oh, Mass, Mass Effect. Effect. Okay. Yeah, you could also pause it in Dragon Age, um, but that's their like the the draw, the drawing point for both of those RPGs, and then it had this great elaborate story, right? And it also had all these decisions that you were making, you're developing your character as a person, and then you go into two where they're like, you know what, we're gonna step up the action a little bit, we're gonna make this a little bit more faster pace, we're gonna do more abilities, we're gonna take this story and we're gonna make it even bigger. So of course, making it so everybody likes it. See, okay, so. Well, this is, now we're really getting the spoilers, but I, I thought so. Actually, it kind of felt it kind of fits the mold of, uh, of the Bioshock games, where the first game, I thought the story, the atmosphere, mm-hmm. was the best of the series, but you know the gameplay the gameplay wasn't the best of the series. No, and then you had the second one where the gameplay is the best of the series, mm-hmm. but. The story was the, garbage. Well, the st- I mean, I didn't think the story was garbage. Was it, it just garbage, wasn't the same. Wasn't See, the I I didn't like I didn't like that Mass Effect Two was basically just I don't know six or seven different scenarios. It, like there was there was the beginning of the main story. He had these these six um, scenarios that you went through the joint the get the get your crew mm-hmm. and then you had your last bit of the story and so it didn't it wasn't it didn't seem as epic as the first one okay and then just like and then they had 
Bioshock Infinite, they had Max Effect 3, where it kind of... It was supposed to be like a culmination of yeah, everything. Yeah, like, it, it didn't have the best story. Mm-hmm. It didn't have the best gameplay. Mm-hmm. But, like, like if, if part one was a 10 for story, and part two was a 10 for gameplay, then part three was like an eight for story and gameplay, you know, type thing. Right, they had to compromise because they couldn't put everything into yeah. everything. Yeah. I mean... Until the ending. Sure. Unless you believe in indoctrination theory. Right. But Which then is it a means lot. I have to believe in something in order <laughs> to make a game good. Well, um, that's, I mean, that's a whole other st- subject just because, you know, there was the developers that basically came out later on and said yeah that might have been what we had in mind so do being that mass effect series is one of your favorite western rpg type series do you always feel like you have to defend it and not not in like a condescending way but do you feel like it's like one of those things where like i like it a lot and i know a lot of people that don't like it and i feel like i always well, have they, to tell them how much most I people like love it. it i mean most people love the series they just didn't like how it ended right and so for them they're like well it ended poorly screw mass effect forever you know right um but i mean i never really feel like i have to defend that one i mean that one probably wins just by default because Mm -hmm. there's not very many western rpgs i do like Mm -hmm. but for some reason the care i mean the characters were really good in that in that game uh just when when you played you you played the as the female protagonist right yes okay i I played as the male one but it's crazy to me so it's crazy for me because when i played it i was like man this shepherd character like is awesome mm-hmm. and but i never played as the female one and so like it's it's interesting that this character from both genders was just as amazing mm-hmm. and i heard like so didn't they kind of change some of the way scenarios played out based on your gender kind of um there they tried to make it to where every a lot of little factors kind of changed your interaction with certain things but they also wanted to make it where the role was relatively gender neutral so that the romance options and things could still work out properly um but yeah so the dialogue did change a little bit i think a lot of people i say a lot of people because i'm part of this but i think there's a lot of people that looked at the femme shepherd as being better because the voice acting seemed like it was better it was a little bit more enthusiastic um see, and i thought the i, thought I only the played it because awesome see i only played it because i was told that that, mm-hmm. that would be the better way to go and then whenever i played it it seemed natural to right. do so i haven't actually gone through and played as the male yeah i've, so I've never done it the other way but i so, bet if i went through it it'd be like oh this seems weird right so i don't th- i don't that's it's just hard who you identify to, as the main character right yeah i don't identify as a female but yeah obviously obviously thank you i just wanted for the context okay Okay, well um (laughs) moving on Uh, (laughs) racing games (laughs) do you play racing games sir i play mario kart that's all i hate that spike shell that son of a bitch (laughs) but that means you get to see angry luigi or is it the blue shell i don't really don't know you you get to see what angry luigi every time he shoots i'm always yoshi i'm always yoshi (laughs) Yoshi. (laughs) (laughs) so you don't really play any of the like the simulation stuff like uh like a forza or or forza Forza? uh i played well okay so i played 
I played Burnout, but the only thing I liked about that was that you could the crash mode. Yeah, the crash mode. I played <laughs> Burnout too. And then I played like the regular racing mode, and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so boring. But the funny part is, is when like when I play Gran Turismo, all I want to do is just drive around the city. I don't really want to play the game. I just want to drive and. Need for Speed is where you do that. Grand Turismo, I don't think I, I no. never had a city mode. No, no, no. Uh, Grand Theft Auto. Grand Theft Auto. And then, like, even the, the new Batman Arkham City. Like, whoa. WTF, mate. <laughs> but, um, uh, yeah, even the Batman Arkham City game, like, I mean, I just, I just like driving around. It was fun. But racing people just doesn't seem appealing for whatever reason. Unless it's Mario Kart. Because red shells. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I, I'm sure you tend to use blue shells because you're probably always losing. <laughs> um, but that being said, I'm a it's big fan a of racing strategy. games. You see, you get in last place, you get the blue shell, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then you start doing really good. Mm-hmm. And then, as soon as that second place person overtakes you, mm-hmm. bam. Okay. Okay. I don't really know if that's the strategy people employ. I don't employ that strategy. Yeah, I don't really play Mario Kart that much. Um, I remember playing it back for '64 and playing the, uh, the their little, um, the little balloon mode where you yeah. shoot people and oh, get the, yeah, or hit yeah, people and get that. their balloons and whatnot. Yeah, I remember that mode. Um, but no, I've always been like a like a big racing game person. I like I liked the uh, um, Project Gotham back in the day on Xbox. Um, I like the Forza Motorsports when they first started that. Um, but I was always a fan of Gran Turismo. I liked how like deep the simulation was and how many cars there were. Until... I, I, I had the first one. I had the first Gran Turismo game. and I, I... The first one wasn't the greatest, um, but the, well, se- the second one was where it was at. Well, for me, it was just cool because I think it came out around the time when I was going to buy a car. Mm-hmm. And so <laughs> I kept to learn about all these cars I wanted but yeah. couldn't have right so i mean i i mean that's how i learned about every car there is is from gran turismo <laughs> and now that i don't play gran turismo i'm like oh what is that what's that car what's that car huh? oh that's what that is cool yeah um so what's you... so amazing about this gran turismo too <laughs> first of all <laughs> the amount of cars in that game is just ridiculous sometimes it would be just fun to go through the shops in the in the different uh, dealers and whatever, and just look at all the different cars they had. Um, and then if you're really like a gearhead and you like looking at all the specs for the cars and things like that, that was also pretty fun. Um, also for PlayStation One, the graphics were great. There was reflections on the cars. I see you falling asleep over there. You better pay attention, homie. This racing game. <laughs> the um, it was like one of those things where it was um, Polyphony. I think it's the company that makes Gran Turismo. Um, they like were maximizing the amount that the consoles that they were on could do. So Gran Turismo looks really good for PlayStation games. And sometimes I do play games for graphics. Most of the time, not. Um, Boo, you whore. Don't slut shame me. Um, anyways, so yeah. So Gran Turismo <laughs> had really, really good graphics for the time. Um, and then... It was a it was a family thing too. I think at the time, so it it is a bit of nostalgia when it comes down to it. Um, I played a lot with my with my dad, and also I did find out there was a car that I wanted by playing that game. Um, yeah, see, same thing. I really wanted a a Mitsubishi three thousand GT, um, 
There is, it was my neighbor the, had a 3000 GT when uh, that game came out, and uh, and I was <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, this is the coolest car ever. And then I was like, I was like talking to her about her car and like, you know, oh it's a all wheel drive, da 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 da. Like I knew everything about cars, you know. <laughs> it was great. It was great. It was awesome because when you when you go fast, all of a sudden the spoiler like rises up in that car. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. awesome. Um. But yeah, I don't know. There's... Did you ever have a 3000 GT? No. No. Yeah. I haven't had any of the cars that I actually want. <laughs> Not yet. But I will. I will. Don't you worry about that. Um, well, Thanks for our sponsor, Bing. Have we, have we already said the F word so far? <laughs> yes. Um, on to the next genre, sir. Um, fighting oh, you mean games. the one that you skipped over? You mean the action? I feel like that's Can such you read a your bro- own list. I feel like this is such a broad like. Oh yeah, genre like that. It's, like, yeah, it's kind of hard I, well, <laughs> to hone in on anything on that one. Well, so the interesting part for me was because um, I was trying to remember back to like the PlayStation One games. Sorry, mm-hmm. Will was making a motion. I don't. okay uh so i was trying to think about action games um before the ps2 and i i like completely drawn a blank on good action games from that genre or from that generation and and before that you know the ps1 ps2 era legacy of kane was that action game Mm -hmm. i mean what is what does resident evil fall under Oh, that's survival horror. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's there's Fear Effect, but I guess that falls under survival horror. So Legacy of Kane, <laughs> that's it. Um, I don't remember too many action R- or action see action RPGs. Um, action oh, games. Oh, actually, really you know, I take that back. I forgot the God of War games were PS2. And yeah, which I mean. Now that I'm thinking about it, like considering the fact that those were PS2 games, mm-hmm. those games really were pretty incredible. Top of the line. Yeah, they Dante's they really Inferno. Were. Yeah, that was okay. Demon Souls was a PS2 game? No, that was PS3. PS3, yeah. Uh, but there really wasn't. So maybe that's why maybe so that's why God of War was so like, holy crap. So if we're looking at action games, probably my favorite action game would probably be Armored Core. And that was PS one, two, three, and I don't know if they've made one. Well, I I don't know if anyone's ever heard of that game. So Armored you, you Core talk about is it. a game about mechs. Um, so they're just large humanoid robots. Uh, wait, wait, uh, so I thought that was. Oh, I'm thinking of Front Mission. Okay. Great oh, strategy know. RPG, um, and then later became an action game. The uh, Front Mission evolved, which is also a pretty good game. Kind of short story, but still good. Uh, but Armored Core was kind of, it was a game where you could build your mech from head, arms, torso, legs, and then you could change your thrusters. You know, I'm a parent of a young kid when as soon as you start talking about that, head, shoulders, knees, and toes starts going through my head. I almost sang that too. (laughs) Um, (laughs) you can change your thrusters. Your like CPU, your low, your processor. It changes how many people you can lock onto, how far you can lock onto them. Then you have 
your left weapon, your right weapon, your left shoulder weapon, your right shoulder weapon. Like it had like this full customization to it. And then it had it had you like posing as a mercenary and then like a part of the oh, shoot, I think they're called the Ravens. I think you're a raven. Um and then you would go out and you do stuff and then you take on missions from different like major corporations and as you took on missions you could you could start to tell that more missions would come from those corporations kind of Mm -hmm. like you were going down a path you were taking a position and then the main scenario was kind of like weaved into all these scenarios and then it made for a big scenario but it was very mission-based no open world or anything like that um that's that's so the the way that they did the gears so the Xenoblade Chronicles for the Wii U, mm-hmm. uh, they kind of did that with the with the gears as well. Like, like I remember, like you 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 have shoulder weapons, you'd have different weapons, and but you could pick different ones for your shoulders. You have pick at different ones for your arms, mm-hmm. and then and then you had like the one back weapon. So I wonder if they kind of took some of those ideas from the Armored Core games. I mean, in general, I think it's just kind of a, a mech thing that a lot of uh, mech games wanted to do, mm-hmm. but Armor Core had focused so um, so precisely on doing that that they were able to do that. They kind of went from being the simulation one, like a mech simulation kind of action game, to later on being more like an arcade mech simulation. So less, uh, it was more frantic based, but before it was a little bit more strategic and it's a little bit slower and things like that but um but yeah what about you for for action games i know you mentioned god of war is that would you say that's your favorite series because it's really since we still haven't really quite so, honed in on what action games really why well, I, I forgot about like metal because metal gear came out in ps1 but i mean is that an action game because that's i believe the subtitle for metal gear was tactical espionage game <laughs> so i don't know but uh i mean the, I mean, the God of War games are so... God of Gear War? <laughs> I mean, I, I I definitely love those games, but I, you know, like, I, mean, I was always excited for a new one, but they were never my favorite games. And, uh, but now, um, I'm playing the new God of War game, and, I mean, I, I'm not done yet, but I would say it's, I mean, I say entry in my top ten, but it's not like I have an official top ten. Right, but it's it's definitely up there in, in in one of the best games I've I've played. Um, it's it really is crazy how they've taken, and, and not to say that Kratos' story was shallow or anything, but but uh, it it definitely is not. It's not on the. It wasn't. It's not. Bleh. It it's wasn't not on the bleh. same level that it is now. You know, it, they've they turned him to from pretty much a one-dimensional character into a really three-dimensional character a real three-dimensional world mm-hmm. and uh I, I just thought that was really impressive that that they that they could do that um <laughs> the the game actually had so last week we were talking about nostalgia and recently there was a part in the game where there was a nostalgia moment where i just i seriously had like stopped playing and i was like holy shit that's freaking awesome, you know. Right. Um, but a lot of them are from the. I mean, a lot of the good action games are really from uh, the PS3, PS4 era, because I mean, just this generation, God of War and Zero Horizon Zero Dawn 
are, I mean, they're, they're some of the best games I've ever played. I mean, they're incredible. I, I love how Horizon, um, I love how every new enemy you run into is this, like, they're so intimidating at first. And mm-hmm. then, and then you figure it out and it's not a big deal. And but it's an achievement to have figured it out. And yeah. it's an achievement to constantly be able to, like, manipulate and exploit all the weaknesses of yeah. the characters and stuff. But also, it's kind of like the, uh, well, it's kind of like the Shadow of the Colossus. How, mm-hmm. like, I've conquered this enemy and this it's like, oh, this is so great, you know? All three of those games are from PlayStation and they are exclusives. I just wanted you to know that. That's the reason why I'm a Sony. <laughs> Yeah, well, actually, I, I guess Shadow of the Colossus was the PS2 era, so, I mean, I guess that would... That's considered an action game. Yeah, that's an action, action game. game. So, um, well, yeah, that was an action one. I was just thinking of Ico. There's no RPG. But Ico is kind of, I think that's considered a puzzle a game. puzzle game, yeah. With action elements. Um, and then, uh, but then... It's hard to call like God of War or Zero, Horizon Zero Dawn my favorites just because there's The Last of Us and mm-hmm. or is that Survival Horror? <laughs> it's I don't even know anymore. So what you're saying is that genreizing all the that's definitely probably not a word. <laughs> um, it is these, now. Yeah, you heard it here first, folks. <laughs> um, so putting a genre to all of these games is probably not doing them the most justice because they have i mean they have so many elements from different things to make it, them what they are it's very it's almost like sony exclusives have their own genre because they're all i mean they all had different gameplay styles hmm? they're great yeah they are great but they all have different gameplay styles styles but they have this they have this focus on deep story but Mm -hmm. it's not like complex it's never like this incredibly complex story but it 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 definitely has um it it brings you in emotionally though okay so and that that must be their thing now uncharted uncharted well i mean uncharted is not like it's a shooter i think but actually the third one the third one the end of it felt like i felt like tour story three where you know like it's got its emotional kicks whereas the other ones are just fun you know hmm. okay you should probably play them actually i watched you play them you shouldn't play them <laughs> Suck it, <I'm laughs> um i think it's just yeah i don't i don't really like the whole mob shooter games like where because that's what it kind of seems like you go through you do the action pieces mm-hmm. and then it's just a whole bunch of henchmen that just kind of shoot through and i just, I just uh, did you so did you play and beat the last of us no, somebody else played and okay. made the boss I mean, I guess... It, I watched. It has, like, the same elements, but... It definitely felt different, and it... I mean, it, it felt is, different because the story was way more essential to no, what you no, were no, doing. No. But, I mean, like, the story was what? Way more essential to what you were doing. Yeah, but, no, I'm I'm saying, like, this, the gameplay was... Oh, definitely okay. had a different feel. Mm-hmm. You know, because cause there is the... There was a little bit more of the, the sneaking aspects, sneaking around... It was more survival for Last of Us as well. Yeah. So you kind of felt like you were low on resources and you you like you didn't feel like like for Uncharted, you just felt like run and gun, shoot, mm-hmm. dodge, shoot, dodge, shoot, dodge. Whereas for Last of Us it was like, okay, I've only got 
you know, a limited amount of blah, blah, blah. I need to go kill this person. I need to sneak to kill this yeah. person so I can get their ammunition to do some other things. But it, it did, it felt more, um, more like whatever you were holding in your inventory was what was Crucial. more uh, special. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It didn't feel like the endless reloads of, uh, I mean, obviously you still run out of ammo in Uncharted, but it did kind of feel like you had so much that it didn't, it wasn't urgent to 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 keep it on you, you know? no, especially when like every enemy, you know, another weapon is kicking up. Even though like, you know, you typically want to stick with the one weapons you like, but yeah, I mean, yeah. there was just so much stuff on the ground for it to pick up. It yeah. never felt like you had to 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 hoard certain things to ensure that you could get to the next section. But I mean, those games are are not about they really aren't about the gameplay you know the gameplay is fine i find playing them well i mean remember the advertisement for uncharted it was all about the cinematic qualities of yeah. those games so it was about the set pieces it was about the about nathan drake yeah so yeah. did you did you ever see the the nathan fillion uh I did what'd you think i thought he did really good for what i've played of the of the uncharted games mm-hmm. and i think that it was like it's kind of a one-to-one casting of Nathan Drake, almost like. Well, they so they there's they no way they didn't Nathan model Drake. Okay, yeah, yeah, they did. I mean, yeah. they they've said that. Okay. So, yeah. um, so it was it was perfect for him to play that. Though I'm not one of those people that go, well, because you made this, Sony needs to get on it and, well, and I let d- him be the the next Nathan Drake. I do movie. wonder. Well, I mean, I'm sure Sony was like, no, no, we uh, Nathan Fillion is too old. Da da da. But I mean. I do wonder if it's going to be the, have the same effect as because remember when the Deadpool, um, the test oh, the, footage, the demo leaked. reel, yeah. yeah, yeah, that leaked, and all of a sudden, you know, Fox is like, "Oh, all right, that is cool. We like it. Let's do it." So I wonder, right. I wonder if Sony will end up doing the same thing. Well, I mean, no, I, Sony. This thing is the the difference between that is that Sony has already has been talking about doing it for a long time already. Well, yeah, but they're well, their latest is they're going to do it with. Um, Ah, oh, crap. What's his name? Spider-Man. Tom Holland. Tom Holland, yeah. And doing like a prequel type thing. Mm-hmm. Which, and people are like, no, they don't like that. But, I mean. But people don't like a lot of stuff. Yeah. They like, watch it when it comes yeah, out. Yeah, as soon as they hear about it. But, I mean, I'm okay to see what it might be. Yeah. But, I mean, who knows? I don't know. Also, you can't really compare it to Deadpool because Ryan Reynolds is... Deadpool. There's like nobody else that will ever have been able to do it. I don't think. Well, I'm sure there's other people that can do Who? it, but Who? Because oh. not only does he completely embody the role, like even outside of working on yeah, but... Deadpool, he just feels like he's Oh that yeah, 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 that's true. Like, I mean, that's true. He has definitely taken on the persona I am Deadpool. Even when there's no movie going on right now, right? So, I mean, it's almost like I think it's, it's just like, like an alternate cast, identity. Yeah, it's so. like Hugh Jackman playing Wolverine. I don't feel like anybody else will be able to, uh, because he's so ingrained. So. Well, I'm just saying because he's so ingrained. And I watched the X Men movies, you know, starting from the first one when they came out, and it's just always it's Hugh Jackman. It has to be Hugh Jackman. He's just he embodies the role from the beginning until the most recent movie. But you know. I think they'll be okay. I bet they'll be able to find someone. But, uh, yeah, oh, it, it is going to weird. Dead. I'm sure it will be weird. I'm trying to think of, I'm trying to think of different movies. Well, I mean, like, I remember when Edward Norton was the Hulk, but I guess I never was like, man, Edward Norton 
is the Hulk, you know. So I guess when they switched yeah. it, I was just like, yeah, whatever. And then but they Mark had- Ruffalo is the Hulk. <laughs> I guess. I don't know. I mean, I don't really <laughs> picture it. I mean. Oh, sorry. He is Bruce Banner. Yeah. I mean, he, wor- he works for the... He works for the movies, but I mean, honestly, when I think of Bruce Banner, I definitely don't think of Mark Ruffalo. But so you you think of Eric Banner? Uh, he was no, not really. I think Eric Banner might be like I can't remember, but I, I'm pretty sure he's like too muscular to be that role. He well, he played the role as the first one. Yeah, I know. Okay. Um, I think, but like, he was in. I think his facial, his facial he was appearances. In Troy, he was like the best character in Troy. Yeah. I remember, he, like he was, he was a big dude. So in the face, he looks like a Bruce Banner, but I think, I think, so. okay. I think it was just the movie and how it was directed that didn't make it look good for him. I guess I really, it's not like I've read the the Hulk comics, so I don't really know what Bruce Banner is supposed to be like. So. If we do a podcast or an episode on the Hulk, we have to bring my dad in. He he's been collecting Hulk comic books for a long time. So what? So he's okay. the expert. So have you asked him before? Like, what do you think of? You know, we we've talked about it. we've had long conversations, but I would be remiss if I tried to remember all the things he said about the Hulk. Well, and just okay, his opinions so just on it. I think he hit. he likes them because they're entertaining, and I think that's kind of there's a difference. What's his favorite Bruce Banner? I don't know. I don't think he really cares about Bruce Banner. It's more about, no, he just cares about the Hulk. it's about the Hulk, and technically none of those people ever played the Hulk because it's CG, so yeah, you don't have to worry about that. You know, well, it was uh, oh, I don't remember the guy's name, Lou Ferrigno. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but I mean, I think yeah, we'd have to ask him, which I think would be kind of a cool kind of a cool topic too i feel like we could talk about that for a while especially seeing where they've put him in the the cinematic universe right now and i'm guessing there'll be more to deal with in the next infinity war movie yeah everyone's already got their theories about what's going to happen bum bum boom <laughs> um all right so i'm throwing out the pause signal and i made the tweet oh we'll be right back And now we're back. Thank you again for a uh, sponsor from NASA. <laughs> yes, because this podcast is out of this world. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I threw it up to you, but I don't know. I think that was like out of bounds. You should have let it go. <laughs> All right. So, um, yeah, we're not going to talk about that because... Oh, I'll talk about this. What up? So, in gaming, there's these things called linear Mm -hmm. and open world games. Okay. So, what what are some of the things that you like about linear games? Everything. Um, I actually really, really enjoy linear games. I'm glad you chose to elaborate beyond everything. I'm glad you chose to call me out on that. Um, no, I actually really like a lot of things about linear games. Um, they typically are very story-focused. Um, and I'm a big fan of JRPGs, which, you know, lends to them being my favorite games of all times. And 
one of the things that the the linear format does for it it allows the player to kind of take the road that the writer or the director of the game set aside for them to take as opposed to where when you're playing an open world game you have kind of checkpoints in the scenario that maybe the the writer put together for you but you're never really like told that you have to take that route you can pretty much do anything most of the time it's ton of side quests most of the time it's a kind of people bragging about how big their open world is um (laughs) and that doesn't necessarily mean a world that's lived in sometimes it could be just sprawling planes and it's just oh by the way we can we can render two miles worth of terrain and people there's nothing there they get excited for it exactly (laughs) i don't Um, get it that was I like think the worst of, thing about the Grand Theft Auto games to me was like the worlds kept on getting bigger and bigger and I'm like, oh my gosh. I I don't want to memorize a whole city, like actual city. The thing about Grand Theft Auto games and that what makes them stand out though is that they feel lived in. They actually did a lot of work in terms of making the AI kind of feel like it's going about its daily business while you're there and that though it's kind of minimal interaction in terms of like having conversations with everybody on the street or whatever, but they did make it seem like there wasn't so many sprawling areas, except for when you're like taking a road out to the mountains or something, Yeah, yeah, yeah. which would be normal in a regular city. Um, so I think they, they did pretty good in that, but I am, I am in agreement when people, when like the first thing that you advertise is that the city is two times as big as the last, you Mm -hmm. know, then you kind of lose a little of a, validity on how well you made that bigger city um which kind of uh it's it's kind of disheartening because there are certain games that have done it really well you have like skyrim which kind of touted that it's you know really big compared to oblivion and it was seamless at that and that like the caves are like kind of you you have to go into the cave so it's like a transport to a different map or whatever but it did feel like when you were traveling from one place to another, it just felt like you were actually traveling across a countryside, which again leads to the problem that I had before and it being empty. Um, one of the things that Skyrim definitely could, did not do well is making a, a living world. It was, em- it was empty in terms of not much was going on. There was random things that could happen. Say for instance, like a patrol could come past you or a dragon could attack or something like that. Or, I don't know, maybe you got lucky and you're walking down said path when it's this time of day in this month of the Skyrim world and suddenly you pick up a quest. Is there Lego bricks in that game? Collectibles? I don't think so. Because that would have made it better. There are. The Stone of... (laughs) Oh, wow, there really is something. (laughs) Benzari or something like that. But I don't think they're necessary collectibles. They're part of a side scenario. And you find them all, and then you can use them for something else. I don't remember what the end of that quest is. But um, but not necessarily like Banjo-Kazooie collectibles or anything like that. I, I just think it's funny that uh, that the LEGO games actually have, in my opinion, better open-world gaming than like some of these AAA titles. Because there, always, there is. There's always something like every little nook and cranny in these LEGO open-world games... And I'm talking about Lego under, uh, City Undercover and the two uh, Marvel 
Lego Marvel superheroes. I don't know what's called. I think that's what they're called. Yeah, but um, but there I mean, there's something everywhere. There's like little simple side quests everywhere, and and it has the same thing where like there's not an empty space. There's you know there's always people you're walking past, and they always say something or whatever. Yeah. Um, you know, another game that did open world pretty well was Horizon Zero Dawn. I know you mentioned yes. it when you were talking about uh, action games, but one of the things that they did really well is that. Yeah, they just kind of filled it with a lot of monsters. There wasn't a lot of human beings. But they made it feel like when you were traveling from one place to another, you could quick travel to your camp or your campsites or whatever. But when you're it almost felt you felt more gratifying to travel one like walk or ride a beast that you captured or converted with the little staff thing. I can't remember what it was called. Um from one place to another but the creatures because each creature felt like a like a scenario in and of itself because you kind of figure out the strategy whether it be setting up like a like traps to catch those stealth guys and electrocute them or whatever so you could uh and then pick off like shoot a part off of them that would prevent them from going stealth things like that like it always felt like a a new scenario but it did feel because everything was so lush and everything was um the, the map was actually significantly smaller than it looks because everything felt like you were making your way through stuff at all times. You didn't feel like you were just... Like you couldn't see over the horizon. Um, wow. <laughs> we're not uh, even trying for these puns. They're just so natural. Just so natural. Um, like the world in Horizon Zero Dawn. Um, and I think that's kind of what the, like the, I mean, I really don't like open world games or at least games that say that they're open world because of that fact. Cause majority of the time they tend to, they forget all of the things that lend to gameplay and they focus so hard on making, like I said, the bigger world or the, the, the best rendering technology. And then they forget that, Oh, people have to play a game here. I think you're going to be really impressed with God of War. Okay. get to it yep. one of these days um but yeah i mean going back to linear games that's the reason why i like them the most everything is packed into it's like everything's packed into your into your eyesight there's never they never put you down a path where there's not something going on because they're in control of that path and you just kind of get to play the scenario into it so you did say that it makes for better stories but mm-hmm. uh you love the witcher yes but th- that does not have There's a linear a- story. Hmm? But that does not have a linear story. That, that does not have a linear, linear story to it yet. And it's open world. Yes. But it's not touted as an open world game. It's actually touted as a action RPG. You see, the, the, see, the difference is when you have... Say, for instance, a game like Breath of the Wild. Which is considered... An, or which is like said to be... Zelda has always been action RPGs, but this one is an open world action RPG where there's a complete difference between the two. There can be like when you add that title to your own game, it usually means there's a focus on being an open world as opposed to The Witcher, which had an open world, but it was an action RPG. An action RPG that took place in an open world as opposed to an open world that hosted an action RPG. Do you know what I'm saying? No. Kind of? But okay, so I'll take your word for it. So for The Witcher, <laughs> one of the things that differentiated it from 
the bad things that make up an open world game is that you had the ability to do other things, but the other things that you did actually lent towards the main thing you were doing. So it was never felt like Grand Theft Auto where you start off the scenario, you play through like 15 minute tutorial campaign pretty much to, uh, to get you into the mechanics. And then after that, they just let you fly free, you know? So is it better? So would you say it's better to say that, um, the odds are better that a linear game will have a better story or more concise story. That would probably be a better, a better statement. Yeah. Um, yeah. And definitely the odds are in the favor of the linear games because they, there's more focus on those things. And then, like I was saying, the, the open world games tend to have a focus on being open world. The, I don't know. I think people have complained so much about uh, linear games that a lot of these companies that <coughs> they want to make all these uh, open world games and they're so scared of, you know, like closing it down in areas, mm-hmm. you know, because they're so afraid of like getting a review where man, this is a great open world game, but there was this one spot, one spot that really narrowed it down and oh, it's a terrible game now. One out of ten. <laughs> one out of ten. Um, you know, actually, one of the things I do like about open world games, and there's some that do it really, really well, and there's others that that uh, that want to do it, but then try to hide behind the guise of trying to do something else, is that is the system-based gameplay. So you have Breath of the Wild, which it's one of the few open world games that I'm actually that I really really like, and not because of the story. Um, they, they made it. They really, made a game. Really, really like it. Huh? Just, just two reallys. Just just two reallys, not three. Out of and how many reallys? An infinite amount of reallys. Oh man. Yeah. No, that doesn't my, sound very good. The the really scale hasn't been established yet. <laughs> um, <laughs> so actually, maybe we should start rating games on a really scale. Um, <laughs> And I, I like that. This like game that. is really, really, really. wait or for really. it, really, really good. <laughs> Four reallys, jeez. <laughs> Damn, I gotta play that shit. <laughs> um, one of the things that uh, Breath of the Wild did is it seems like the developers looked and said, what kind of mechanics do we want to have in this game? They I went, think what the developers said was, how are we going to ruin Zelda? Wow. Okay. <laughs> well, that's a... I've heard that opinion before too. Well, I played um, for like five minutes. So. Okay. Well, your opinion determined. doesn't count. Um, so they decided that okay, so we want to have physics. We want to have actually like good physics. You know, we want to have a uh, we want to have that weapon breaking system. So we have to figure out a way to make that part of the uh, part of the big scenario. Then we also want to have kind of a nonlinear approach to a Zelda story or to a link story technically and so they called up monolith soft that made xenoblade mm-hmm. said okay. help us out just so you all know okay okay credit where credit's due okay anyways still nintendo <laughs> um and then they figured out a way to make all these systems work together in a world that kind of thrived and lived by itself and that you were just a part to this world and that everything that you could do should be i mean they did one of the thing they took like a big risk or not even a risk but they took a they did a lot of work into making sure that you could almost travel 
anywhere in the Breath of yeah. the Wild, and not necessarily just along the path and how you could glitch through a while. I, I don't think there's much risk in like a Mario or a Zelda game because, I mean, well, I mean, you had uh, Mario Sunshine, mm-hmm. and people didn't love it, but like people are still excited. It's one of the excited. greatest Mario games ever. But went, continue. Went for real. Mm-hmm. All right. So anyway, so. People were disappointed by Mario Sunshine, mm-hmm. as far as I remember. But I mean, it's not like it matters because people a new Mario game comes out and they're like, "Oh, cool! It's What's Mario. next?" Yeah. yeah, it's Mario, and same with Zelda. Like, I don't feel like there's much risk unless, unless you're like Final Fantasy, where you've had, I don't know, a couple of flops. I get well, they're not really flops. Well, critical just, flops. What were the critical flops? Thirteen two. Lightning returns. Well, I don't think those. This they still made plenty of money. I know. I'm but sure that's they why made their money that's back. why I specified critical flops. Just like uh, ten two. Ten I mean, two it was wasn't also like, yeah, one of those games. I mean, they already had all the assets and everything, and I'm sure most of the engine. So it probably didn't cost them that much, and so that's why you know it's financially feasible for them to do that. Well, I mean, I think when I say risk for uh, for Zelda, I think when I yeah, I'm thinking risk in terms of when you set about doing a task and then you risk whether or not you'll be able to complete it. So that means all of okay. the, the programming that would have to go into uh, making yeah, yeah. sure that you could climb every wall and that all mm-hmm. of this is based off of a stamina system. So one of the big like the, the pretty much the central point is that all of these things can be done based off of core systems that are developed by the... But then at the same time, I mean, they they took... I mean, they, they had Monolith Soft work with them, who mm-hmm. they're obviously really good at making these open worlds where you can go anywhere. And then, realistically, they're just... They have to add a climbing system, you know? Because in Xenoblade Chronicles uh, X... Um, you know, you had your gears, and yeah, you can climb stuff, I and mean, you can kind of climb it, but you can go anywhere. Assuming when you're in your mech, you go anywhere. Okay. So, and it makes sense that they were probably making those, you know, around the same time. And I, I, I don't, I don't think it was, I don't really think it was a risk for them. I think that they saw. I mean, you could totally take Xenoblade, and then making an action game with that you know so i think that i think that monolith soft allowed them to easily do this still doesn't take away from the game being a pretty good game <laughs> but you know what i mean in, though? in the open world genre. like yes no so, so there's a lot of things that happen when it comes to like video game development that could make things easy and less risky but from our opinion or i'm like from the outside looking in mm-hmm. like they had been taking risks since uh, since Twilight Princess, right, and Skyward, but I guess Sword. that really is kind of Nintendo. I mean, I feel like Zelda after Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask, it kind of went into that spot where it's like we've actually kind of exhausted what the Zelda formula says we can do. But I love it. It's, it they were great games, mm-hmm. but then you go into and then Wind Waker, keep making them, and I would still be happy. Yeah, but they go into Wind Waker, and you look. Wind Waker was like the start of when they were took everything and said, what can we do to completely change the type of game this is? Mm-hmm. 
So then they added the boat system. Then they added this ridiculously huge like ocean and, and world that kind of evolves depending on what part of the game you're in. And yeah, Wind Waker is one of my favorite games um, for, for the Zelda series. But um, yeah, so they did that. And then they move on to the next one. And now it's about like, um, shoot, in Twilight Princess when they uh, introduced like the wolf form. Spoiler, spoiler. The wolf is on the cover. <laughs> um, <laughs> they introduced like the wolf form, and then now they're experimenting with making the graphics more realistic, mm-hmm. um, which they got a lot of flack for because going backwards, everybody's like, "No, Link has always been cartoonish. Why are you doing this to us?" That's that's so weird. Like, but it's a risk for them because uh, they're not doing the same things that they got to complain. Exactly. I was fine with it. I'm like, cool. There's. And when then Skyward Sword, Skyward Sword, they said, you know what? Let's use the Wii controller. Mm-hmm. And everybody goes, why? <laughs> but <it's laughs> they're like, still no, 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 that's not enough. We need the Wii Motion Plus. Yes. But but still, if you really look at it, Zelda's been like the testing ground for a lot of things. Zelda and Mario always have been testing ground. So each, after their 64 iterations, it was like... I don't know if it's so, as much the testing ground as much as they've just decided... If we're going to do it on any of our IPs, we might as well just do it on the two that will be successful anyway. Well, I think it's the other way around where, like, if we're making another Zelda game, this is, we're going to do something innovative mm-hmm. type deal. Even though I, Let's I guess. Let's not waste the customer's time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it works. Yeah. I like that. If they're going to play the game, let's give them something to play. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Oh, man. Well, that was a lot about open worlds and. Not a lot about linear games. I think it's it's very kind of set in stone, like yeah, a linear game would be. They they have their pluses, their 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 drawbacks. Really, is that people feel railroaded into scenarios, and if you are a big fan of making choices and diverging um, branches and whatnot, then you don't typically get those in linear games. Um, I mean, you can kind of get them in games like mass effect but then you end up with the indoctrination theory <clears throat> so so good <laughs> uh i just i you know i think um i mean they can you know all these all these uh negatives about both cases you know like the linear mm-hmm. stories you know oh, i'm it's on a i'm on a chain and you know like but they can do... I mean, there's so many games that are... Okay, so you have... Oh, I think we watched a video on this. Uh, you have Final Fantasy X, mm-hmm. and you have Final Fantasy thirteen, and mm-hmm. they're both very linear games. Very linear, yes. But, I mean, what what really sets ten apart... I mean, it, ten for some reason, didn't feel linear like thirteen did. Ten was a different... It was definitely like a different era, but I think what set 10 and 13 apart is that 10 was only on PlayStation and 13 was on Xbox as well. So you had a whole new crowd of people that came into That's linear true. games. I didn't think about that. Xbox well, not didn't, just have, that. didn't have a lot of RPGs to start with. so but, but A lot of JRPGs to start with. They had like three. And then mm-hmm. Blue Dragon came along and I think that was my, maybe the fourth one. That game was great. I never played it. It was really good. Um, Lost Odyssey was pretty good, too. You oh, then they had them. the Tales game, right? Hmm? They had the Tales game. Oh, Tales of Vesperia? Yeah. Also really good. Yeah. 
But you see what I'm saying? I I remember being disappointed. I'm like, it's almost like you can count all of the JRPGs on one hand for Xbox. And I think Mm -hmm. by bringing a Final Fantasy in and people not realizing that this is what JRPGs are, or this is what Final Fantasy are, are, sorry, because the other ones typically, I think. Well, Lost Odyssey is basically. Is it? Hmm. I, I, you know, it's been too long since I played that one. I'd have to go back and look. Mm hmm. And they're kind of they they're Blue Dragon. I'm pretty sure had an open world, mm-hmm. and a somewhat open world. But yeah. yeah, it was somewhat open world, but it locked you. That that's the thing. Like, I don't think a lot of um, well, that's kind of what earlier Final. They Fantasy gave the did. illusion of choice. Yeah, but. they gave the illusion of choice, and, and I'm sure there was a level to that for Final Fantasy X. I'm sure somehow they give you an illusion of choice, or just ten variants. No, ten was there, there was no branching in ten. There was really there was like two open area, one open area. There was just like the big field with the chocobos, and then once you got your ship, you picked a place on a map. Yep, and you found coordinates to go to secret areas. That it was a very linear, very very linear game. There was really no openness to that world at all. Thirteen didn't have any at all, but thirteen at least had two hub areas in the in the in the Grand Pulse, and then yeah. there's the places attached to the Grand Pulse. But See, that's funny, because that was like my least favorite spot in the game. Probably because we're used to playing Final Fantasies that are linear, and then once you get to a point where now I'm walking for 10 minutes to get from one area to, mm-hmm. the, to the next, you kind of feel like I've, I, you guys are, now you guys are pandering. You know, I mean, realistically, I missed the open world, or like the, the world map. The overworld. Yeah. Yeah, but that's a completely different thing than an open world. Because you still are, are railroaded. It's the spots that you can go into based on your transportation. And then you still can only go into the towns. It's not like you just encounter. I mean, I mean, maybe maybe Final Fantasy X didn't get so much crap because it still had a turn-based uh, RPG system, you know? And so, like... Technically, yeah. Yeah, and so when thirteen came around, they're just like... I don't have... There's no airship. Mm-hmm. I don't... This isn't turn-based. This isn't my Final Fantasy. You know, I have no way to fast travel from this place mm-hmm. to this place. What, what's going on? Or do you? Hold on, hold on. There, I think there's certain safe points. Maybe you can fast travel. Yeah, from. I think you can. You could. I'm pretty sure there was something. No, I don't think there is. There might not be. That is kind of weird, actually. Yeah. Well, I mean, that might be it too. Maybe that's part of it. I don't know. Um. But yeah. That's that's a, that's enough about about that. I like Final <laughs> Fantasy Thirteen. I really do. Yeah, it's fine. I don't care what anybody says. Also, that game was really great looking. Since I'm a graphics whore, um, that was probably one of the best looking Final Fantasies. Better looking than Fifteen, in my opinion. Just saying. Mm, I'm not gonna go that far. It looked amazing. Like it, it's mostly just. I think because it was so colorful. Like, yeah, and dedicated to its art style mm-hmm. that it definitely felt like the whoever was in the art department saw the sketches and said, we're going all in, and that's for every aspect of this world. Well, And then 15 still, just felt dull. Uh, well, I think I think uh, 13 still had more of a JPR, or like more of a JRPG style, art style. Yeah, so whereas... pink hair. Yeah, oh yeah. So, yeah. And then you go into Final Fantasy 15, 
and it's like i mean it wasn't colorful you could switch them to like those weird outfits but i'm like why why is he wearing like his outfit now he's wearing like a t-shirt and some like hipster hat or something and why why is there a cup of noodles on his head yeah why is there a couple of noodles on his head so it's it was just this weird blend of western rpg and jrpg and just pick one (laughs) pretty much if you want to make a fantastical world make a fantastical world don't try to make a fantastical world that's based in a real world it doesn't really work that well you know those parts actually looked really good the the parts where they model i think they model it after italy Oh, no, no, no. When I say that, I'm talking about, like, you have all these crazy creatures, right? Yeah. But then, for some reason, you decided to model it after the uh, desert in Arizona or something. Mm. Where's the fantastical plants? Like, every... So, you have regular Earth things mm-hmm. merged with uh, with fantastical stuff. And I think that there was the... There, there's a disconnect there, because you kind of... You want all of it to be fantastical and it stops at that certain point like we have to hit our realism quota and it is, then we'll it add is the, a little the weird though because like but i still liked it it was a good game i'll, I'll give yeah. it that i didn't like the dlc thing that they did yeah. this whole ever expanding 15 dlc universe or whatever but but i mean i played it once and i haven't beat all the dlc and i don't i mean but you have no real interest in going back. No, because I felt like I beat the story from beginning to end. I did a lot of side quests. I got to explore the world as a whole. I got to know some of the people. The side quests still weren't very good. They were very much fetch quests. There was never really any variation to them. Um, so there's that. Um, but otherwise, the game itself and the gameplay, it was innovative for a Final Fantasy. It wasn't innovative for games in general. So it didn't feel like Here's a new intro, entrance or entry, sorry, into our series. Look at all the new stuff we're doing. It was, here's a new entry into our series. Look at the stuff that we're doing that everybody else is already doing. But look how we do it. <laughs> yeah. You know? And I think that's, that's kind of the thing that is one of its biggest drawbacks is that it was trying to do what everybody else was doing while trying to still remain a Final Fantasy, which is hard to do because Final Fantasy is different from what everybody else is doing. Typically. When does 7 Remake come out? I don't know. When I get married and have kids. So, 2018? We'll never know. <laughs> we'll never know. Um, <laughs> well, okay, so they got Kingdom Hearts coming out next year, so I guess it really is going to be like 2020. And I remember when they first announced it, people were making jokes. It's not going to come out to 2020. Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, that seems crazy. I was one of those people. And now it's going to be 2020? Yeah. And they won't even be done with it in 2020. It'll be the first episode. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, we still don't know how this is going to work out. It'll be the first episode. When you're trying to remake a game like Final Fantasy VII, and as yeah. big of a capacity right. as that game how, how much is in between Final Fantasy thirteen, Final Fantasy thirteen two, Final Fantasy thirteen three? Because that's probably how it's going to end up turning out. True, because once you have the resources, you just mm-hmm. keep them moving forward. The only difference between thirteen, thirteen two, and thirteen and lightning returns is the that battle system, huh? The battle system. First of all, the battle system is a lot more simplified in the thirteens. Also, 
if you looked at it, they reused everything. Yeah. In doing so, it made the process shorter, but it also made the games themselves. They tried to, well, they did it in different worlds each time. Mm-hmm. So, seven, they were going to be doing the same thing, but every time they do an episode, there's a crazy addition of new stuff. So, that's going to be the biggest problem. 13.2 just reused everything. Lightning Return just reused everything. Right. And if you're doing Final Fantasy episode, Final Fantasy 7 episode 1, 2, 3, and 4, based on the discs maybe, or maybe just 1, 2, 3, or whatever, every time it went to a different act of the Final Fantasy 7 story, right. there was a ton of new stuff. So it's not reusable things going forward. So you have a ton of new monsters, a ton of new extra ca- new characters, uh, a ton of more of the world, you know? Um, maybe the only thing that could get reused really is the world map as a whole. Um, and then you got a lot of cutscenes. When do you think they're going to... Well, yeah. Well, I... Now I say cutscenes, but I mean like just animations for walking, patting people on the back, giving hugs, handshakes. Right. All this kind of stuff has to be done. And if you go from one scenario where everybody's just kind of running forward i mean the first disc is very much everybody just running forward because the scenario is like on rails and it's moving you know and then you get into the second disc where suddenly everything becomes like this emotional journey and then so if they're thinking about voice acting that's going to be even crazier see the amount of lines in final fantasy 7 is ridiculous i mean so you're going each time they in- introduce a new episode, unless they're done with episode two and they release episode one and they're working on episode three while they're waiting to ep- release episode two, that kind of thing, then they're going to definitely take a while and it's not going to... Yeah. there's, there's. I feel like episode one is going to release in 2020 and then episode two maybe 2021 and then three 2023. Which is going to be crazy because people will probably be done with episode one like this yeah uh but you see where i'm going though like it it's a very big undertaking and i don't think i don't think they even thought about what it would entail to change a whole battle system for a game and then change the you're not going from say for instance like a final fantasy 8 to final fantasy 9 graphic fidelity Mm. you're going from final fantasy 7 to final fantasy 15 graphic fidelity everything has to be done over there's nothing to reuse and you're changing the battle system remake i know but you're changing the battle system altogether too that changes everything when does 16 come out never (laughs) um 16 comes out when the next console comes out so 2020 that's another thing I didn't even think about. So, does that mean Final Fantasy VII Remake isn't even going to be on the PS4? That, we'll never know. That, that, I mean, speculation is speculation. I don't really... I can't... You can't really... I don't know. For all we know, there's going to be a major crunch in the next year, and it'll be out next year. <clears throat> for all we know. Or, they well, could literally say, why don't we just make this for the next gen? We already got the development kit from Sony... And then they then they'll just wait for that, and then it'll have to come out on the I'm PS5. I'm sure it'll, it'll probably release on both consoles. It'll, Final Fantasy VII Remake Part One, or whatever they call it, uh, I'm pretty sure it's going to end up. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's going to end up on PS4 and PS5. That makes sense. So, 
and then the other ones because it's it's another like it works out good for sony because it's a good lure for people like oh i played this final fantasy 7 remake oh i have to get the ps5 to play part yeah so, so i can play it in 8k yeah Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> so uh this is totally switching gears but did you hear about them thinking about turning uh star wars episode 9 into two episodes or two parts because ryan ryan johnson messed up the story so much now they gotta fix it I think that any movie franchise that decides that they're going to split a movie, a movie, into two parts is definitely a financial move. It has nothing to do with the story. It has nothing to do with the developers. It has everything to do with trying to make more money. They're trying to fix Ryan Johnson's atrocity. They have no... I, I, I bet you that they have no inkling of ever, like, they're like, he still made us a lot of money. That's fine. Whatever. We'll write with this. I don't know. There, so there's an... I mean, if we're talking about money-wise, mm-hmm. they know people are pissed. But they they'll pay if- for it. They did for Deathly Hollows uh, 1 and 2. They did for um, The Hobbit parts 1, 2, and 3. Um, they did for Which Twilight Breaking Dawn 1 and 2. They know that people will pay for part one and two because they need a completion to that story infinity war part one and two effectively um i can't even i don't even know how much i can categorize that as like a part one and two because i mean it started off as one movie yeah and then it was split into two (laughs) well you're right but but it was also split into two different scenarios yes yeah like i mean this this infinity war did not feel like it felt like its own movie. Right. The thing about it is when you're talking about... When you do things ahead of time and you say, we're thinking about splitting this into two. Is, you know the Star Wars is always done in trilogies. Is episode, When's episode 9 supposed to come out anyway? I don't know. I haven't heard anything about it. Okay, I'm going to look. But, uh, well, I don't know why they wouldn't just be like, okay, well, we're going to do episode 9 and 10. That's just weird. Why? I don't know. It should be just episode nine, and then why? Because they were supposed to do, they were supposed to oh, wrap geez. up each trilogy, right? End of the year, next year, damn. Yeah, they were supposed to. Well, but does it have to be a trilogy? To, I know, but stupid. But the star, the way the Star Wars thing works is that they're supposed to. They have plot lines. They have story arcs that they're supposed to complete. You know. Um, and, and right now, it's the has to be three. Hence, the prequel trilogy, the original trilogy, and the new. Trilogy. Quadrilogy. Sure. I guess it wouldn't really matter. I think it, it would mean, be it it'd be worse. It'd be worse if it was like a instead of at the end, it was just like like it cuts you off halfway through a scenario kind of thing. Well no, I mean in like in order to make you go to the second season. Well don't you want okay, so would you rather have it fit the trilogy mold or would you it rather be a good story i'd rather it be a good story but this also implies that it needs to fix a previous story which i was a fan of i tried watching it the other day the last Jedi. yeah and you didn't like it no because the more like in and this time i was able to be even more critical okay have you watched infinity war again Yes. Okay. What did you think of that on the second theory? 
I liked it more. Okay, me too. Um, that that's good. One thing so I did impressive. see recently. It's so impressive how everybody had a chance to shine. It's so crazy to me. Mm-hmm. There's so many Except goddamn the characters. But he did. Well, okay. I know. I'm just playing. Continue. Well, he even he still battled them. I, I mean, know, he was, was even playing. in it. I was just playing, man. Stop playing. I was just playing, man. <laughs> One anyway. thing I did see this weekend, though. Spoilers. He saw a movie. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp? I saw Ant-Man and the Wasp. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a entertaining movie. Yeah. Like, I came out and, you know, it's kind of like, what'd you think? And it's like, hmm, shoulder shrug. I think that Paul Rudd is hilarious. I think that you could tell he, like, helped. He had to have helped with the screenplay. Yeah. Because it was... It, it's very it, much his comedy. It fed to his strengths yeah. and everything. I think the, only, the biggest problem I had with it, it was kind of... And the Paul movie, Rudd's really likable too. Huh? Paul Rudd's super likable. Yeah. He, go ahead. I feel like the whole movie like just shrugged at all of the like all of the parts of its comic book history. Like it just kinda oh, like yeah. every time they introduce something they go, eh. And then they introduce something else and they go, eh. And then they introduce something else and they go, eh, quantum. And then they just and and it's funny, in the movie he says, Do you guys just add quantum onto everything? <laughs> and like that's how i was thinking to myself because they literally said quantum like a million times in that movie and like when they brought back then dies <sighs> i wasn't gonna say anything um i feel like the movie hasn't been out too long but yeah anyways she's, she's on the cover of the of the movie okay. she's like well when they brought her into the Damn story it, what, what's i felt it called? like what's it called like the, the thing that they're trying to get to in a movie um climax no mcguffin 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 that's mm-hmm. the word thank you yes she is the mcguffin effectively um i have just like luke was the mcguffin of the force awakens and all of a sudden ryan johnson was like poo poo on you sir we're not gonna talk about star wars with you at all. all right anyway go ahead um anyways the, the the movie just did really seem like it was playing fast and loose with, loose with everything that it had and then pretty much shrugged and said it's a comic book movie so okay you know uh, it's a comedy comic book movie at that yeah, yeah so it had kind of the the double whammy going it for didn't it take it so seriously like infinity war and well Which, it's fine like i said it was an entertaining movie i actually really liked the movie mm-hmm. it's just fitting it into like everything else it did seem like an afterthought Almost like they were like, "Oh shoot! I guess we do have to figure out how to put this in the in the universe because we were just we were just playing with these characters. We don't care yeah. about anybody else, you know." Um, Which so, has got to be hard in general. I'm sure. I'm so. sure. I'm, and I don't take anything away from the people who have to spend a lot of their blood, sweat, and tears to mm-hmm. write these stories. Right. Um, but otherwise, it was a it was a it was a pretty entertaining movie. I wouldn't nothing to to write home about or anything like that. But um, yeah, have you been watching any uh, TV shows lately? I started watching The Punisher. And what did you think? How far are you? Uh, I'm at the part where people got shot and killed. How many episodes? <laughs> uh, I think like the, the fifth episode in. Okay. Um, what do you think? So so we started watching it after we, was, we finished Legion. Legion mm-hmm. And for whatever reason, like it took us like a couple weeks to really start watching it i don't know like it, it's those marvel shows start off so slow 
but it's now, kind of their claim to fame, isn't it? They're, they're well, slow burn. <laughs> well, I just read something about it, and um, so the next season of Iron Fist is only going to be ten episodes mm-hmm. because Netflix is now saying we we don't want to do this. We don't want to be like we need thirteen episodes. It has to be thirteen. They're going in and saying, "Hey, how many episodes do you need to, to tell, tell the your story, story. the yeah. way you want to?" And I'm like. Hell yeah. Have you do you watch anything on the BBC? British broadcasting something channel? Maybe. Yeah. Like what? Um there's a show called Luther, right? With uh, yeah. um, I watched Alba. I watched the first episode but but I didn't really get into it. But I think you were telling me about this before how they don't like they don't make orders for yeah, 20 yeah, yeah. episode seasons. They they literally make orders for a season. Mm-hmm. And so Luther had like a like a 13 episode, I think, original arc. And then it went down to 10. And then there was another arc that was like five episodes. And then it was like a three episode arc. And also the length of the episodes varied from each different thing. Like yeah. you had like 45 minute episodes, 50 minute or um, like 57 minute episodes, sometimes a little over an hour. Like it was just kind of whatever was needed to portray the story in an episodic format that felt like there was a resolution to the problem in that episode and then you move on to the next one either way well i'm sure for netflix they're like wait a minute you're telling me your next season's only 10 episodes and it's going to cost this much less money sweet we're in <laughs> we're in exactly um also at the same and the time the product's gonna be better perfect right yeah we're just we're just look we're looking at all of our optics and we want to make sure that we're not getting bad ratings because your show lasted too long. Yeah. Um, which is fine for us. We want people to stay watching Netflix because we need the, the uptime or whatever. But I just read this. I just watched this really interesting article on a, or a video on Netflix. Sorry to Continue. cut you off. But um, it was basically just kind of showing that, like, so Netflix ends the year in the red every year. Mm-hmm. But they don't care because their only goal right now is to stay ahead of all these competing companies. Mm-hmm. And so as long as their user base is increasing, they're happy. But but it's I mean, like, I guess, oh, I can't remember the number. They're, they spend some ridiculous amount on uh, each episode of House of Cards. But mm-hmm. that's, op- that's okay because it's quality content. Mm-hmm. And that's what draws more viewers in. But uh, more but if they stop, like like there's actually worry that if they stop pulling all these subscribers, mm-hmm. that like they could, there's a really reality that they could tank. But I guess but that's, that's the problem with publicly traded companies. It's always about increase yeah. and never about uh, maintaining a right. certain a certain like viability. You always have to raise the price of your shares. You always have to raise the price of your brand. I mean, if you look at it, Netflix has been increasing the price for their subscriptions a lot over the next or the last couple of years. Well, it said like it's a not going to be until like 2022 that they actually break even. Well, they just introduced, I think, a new tier for for more HD stuff or something like that. Yeah. Um so like for them it's just like, okay, so everybody who's staying on this 14.99 or whatever will be fine. But then if we introduce another tier, then it's seen as more of like a premium thing. Oh, more people can stream at once. Oh, more profiles or more this, more that, more that. And every time for them, it's just like, okay, that's an extra $5 a month from, let's say, another 5 million people. So the, the all that starts to add up. 
is is they're supposedly bigger now than all cable companies combined. That's crazy. Like with HBO and yada yada yada. You know, that is crazy. But the difference between all those other cable companies is that because they're typically broadcast on like cable TV, they have commercials. So there's a lot of ad revenue coming in from those yeah. from those spaces. So maybe Netflix has a lot more subscribers, but they're not getting as much money because there's no ad revenue coming in. And the only way that they can get more people to come in is either by word of mouth or by advertising their own shows. And so as they're advertising their own shows, they're spending money to advertise those to get more subscribers. And I mean, it's like an endless circle of being I mean, in the red until you're not. They're going to be fine. I mean, they're sure. they're basically turning into the new Google, you know, where like you don't have Netflix. That's just weird. You know, you don't you search Google. something on Bing. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> Thank you to our sponsor, Bing. <laughs> Uh, being gosh, <laughs> why do they have to be our sponsor? That's funny. Ah, uh, so, yeah, Punisher's good, and Aces. that's awesome. Um, I did watch it as soon as it came out. I kind of marathoned through that one, and I thought it was uh, I thought it was good. It's gonna, it's only gonna get better. And I cosplayed it as, as at a Comic Con last year. So there's that. Um, yeah. That's a thing. So, uh, that's basically it. It's it's kind of weird, like having an ending point because our podcast just feels like a discussion. But uh, that's mm-hmm. that's the end of our podcast, and uh, we'll have more podcasts later. And one of these days, we'll figure out our name for the podcast. Mm-hmm. And hopefully, the quality of this first couple episodes of podcast. Hopefully, God of War. I not, not just you, just our, our listeners, okay. which are zero at the moment, but I'm assuming it'll be at least one in the future. Eventually. 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 We out. Peace.